0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC, text 84850, Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday Morning. This is where London comes awake, and the rest
1: of the capital as well, and all around the country people are going, oh, my God, is it that time already? It really is. The Tour de France, huge success yesterday, huge success. Fantastic. I was waiting for it to go past my godchildren's house and Blast Channel 4, we went to an ad break. I'm thinking, oh, for God, are you are showing adverts now? It was in adverts? And then, literally, just as it came back after the ad break, the cycle shot past the end of their road. Literally, it was just on their little roundabout and the bus stop. I we went, that's the place. Oh, it's moved on. All because of those blasted adverts. Uh, relatives of Michael Hutchins are pleading with the daughter to reconnect with the family. The eaten pupil killed by the polar bear and James Arthur and another celebrity getting their clothes off. LBC this morning. When I say getting their clothes off, it's one of those old baggages from Geordie Shaw who's been pictured in a park with her gut hanging over. You know, as opposed to doing it privately in a gymnasium, of course, it's, it's far better to pretend that you've been surprised in a park working out. Presumably, Charlotte Crosby's bringing out a DVD. My advice, don't waste your money. OK? Simple as that. Simple as that. She has a trainer. You don't have a trainer. She's doing it for a bit of extra cash. You've seen it with that other, um, oh, what's her name? Chantelle. Remember poor old Chantel? I was saying to the producer earlier on, because he was in one of his awake stages, I'll catch him while he's there. And, and, uh, and she... Uh, I, was, I said, I can't wait till she gets to 40, when nobody's interested in her, because by that time, the, what little look she's got will have faded, and, and she won't have anything... Else. She might actually have to go out and get a proper job, like the rest of the world. She might actually have to go out there and, and actually... And, of course, she hasn't got the faintest idea how to work, because she's only ever known how to flog her dreary little life to the magazines. But it uh, suits some people. Doesn't suit everybody. I loved it. I absolutely loved the Tour de France. You cannot, cannot ever tell me that the Tour de France was not a brilliant thing yesterday to watch on the television. Seriously. All those riders must have been so spurred on, so spurred on by all the people in Essex who were out there. Even little out-of-the-way villages, everybody was clapping and cheering, and people have been out there for hours and hours. I mean, literally hours waiting for it, and it was fantastic. I thought it was really brilliant. Of course, the one I saw. When we did it, ours, ours was the Olympics. And again, crowds out on the streets. When they went through Epping, literally the road all the way to Epping, through North Weald, it was really, really busy, and, and it was just brilliant. I felt ever so proud. Ever so proud that I thought Essex represented this country. I thought Essex, you know, don't, don't take the, uh, the old baggages on the television for anything. I can the television as well. Thank you, Poppet. It's only because Nick Abbott turns everything off in here. And because he doesn't like seeing the television, whereas I love the television, I want I want to find out if anything's happening in the world, and so so all the is it working? Oh, thanks. Okay. So I just have to you know, not that I'm a fussy person, but there was a bit in the paper today about Kanye West, and he only likes white linen everywhere in his dressing room. So he turns up at Finsbury Park or wherever it is. I think it was Kanye West. It was Somebody like that anyway, and uh, and his 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 minions you know, the little gophers who turn up beforehand. They go, it's, oh no, it was all black. All the linen was black in his room. And they went, listen, either you get this changed immediately for white or he's not, he's not walking in here. And I thought, you precious little tart. Honestly, who do you think you are, dear? But some of them make really strange demands. They've got, I mean, I've got a rider here. I've got a rider here. I just sort of, I expect people to be Awake. And that's the only rider that I have. I don't have any... I'm not bothered about They can sit there stark naked. Admittedly, it's not the kind of thing you really want to look at for two and a half hours. But, you know, eventually you might get to like it. And uh, that could be some form of abuse heaping it on me. Because there t- I'm, having read the Vanessa Felt story over three days now... So we started Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So we're over three, three days now. Over the story that she was on um, Big Breakfast and she was on the bed with Rolf Harris, because that's where they conducted their interviews. Paulie Yates did them on the bed. Trouble is, she was so spaced out, she didn't have the faintest idea where she was half the time, as was patently obvious when you watched her interviews. I cannot remember Vanessa Feltz doing the interviews, but nevertheless, she did the interview, and um, he was on the bed with her, and apparently were people round the bed, because that's what they do. They were filming it on the bed. You don't just film it in an isolated room. There's always people there. So whenever I do my interviews with celebrities, there's always going to be at least four of us. At least four of us there. There's going to be me, the celebrity guest, the producer, and the celebrity guest's PA or agent. Sometimes there's been six of us. Six it depends how many people turn up. We have to go, there's not enough room in the studio. It's a little bit tight, so you know, four of you have to wait outside. Some people come with a big entourage. Anyway, so Vanessa is on the bed and he starts running his hand up her skirt. Now Vanessa Feltz has never been backwards at coming forward. She's always been feisty. Always been fun. She's always called a spade a spade. She's always got on with it, and that's what she's made her name doing. In this particular occasion, though, she was so shocked. I don't know why. Because she already admitted to us that the makeup girls had already said, you know, Rolf... Oh, watch Rolf Harris. Now, I would have thought, if somebody's running their hand up your skirt, you just move your leg away. And you go... And you look at him and you go, try that again and you're dead. And she said she didn't say anything because it was Rolf Harris and uh, because there were young people watching. But that was the whole idea about the programme. It was supposed to be groundbreaking. It was supposed to be pushing the boundaries. They said things, you know, it was very much what they call a zoo format. And that's what I would expect. So I was a bit disappointed when she didn't say anything to anybody for 18 years. Never mentioned it, never talked about it. And yet his wife must have seen it. The crew must have seen it. The cameraman must have seen it. The producer must have. Everybody must have seen it. They must have done. You can't just slide your hand up somebody's dress and get to their knickers, can you? And so now she's she's talked about it. And of course, as with all cases like this, out come the Internet trolls. You know, people saying things like I thought he was sad, not not delusional to interfere with her and all this kind of thing. She calls it a sexual abuse, though. I don't know what a sexual abuse is. I have to hold my hands up and go, you know, did that traumatize you for the rest of your life? Did that make you a different person? Because if it did, I didn't see any evidence of it. Or did you just want to turn around and kick him in the small spherical objects between his legs? Because that's what she should have done. Or it. she said, I didn't want to say anything because there might have been children watching the programme. Well, I think, you know, if anybody else had seen that going on, surely somebody must have, you know, if the cameraman had been there and he was watching it and his wife was watching it and the producer must have seen it, why well, didn't somebody say, OK, let's just cut this interview? She said she went to the break and then afterwards she rushed off to her dressing room. Strangely enough, Richard Littlejohn has a similar experience with her, where he was doing a television programme, but she actually came and sat on his lap. You know, it's it's one of those things. You either turn round to somebody and you say, do that again, and I'm going to cut your little spherical objects off, or you just push him off the bed and go, go away, you dirty little man. You know, either way, she said nothing, and yet this was a programme that was groundbreaking. I mean groundbreaking. It launched lots of... It launched Gabby Roslyn's career... You know, push Chris Evans further in. You know, it. it all sorts of people started. Uh, admittedly, Kelly Brook wasn't the brightest on it, but that doesn't matter. We leave that to one side. But you'd have thought she'd have said something. You know, and then apparently the police came to her. said, I don't know how they found out about it. No, I can't imagine either. I'm just, I'm just curious as to why, being the feisty old bag that you always were and always led me to believe, you never said anything. Why you just push him off the bed? I mean, you know, how somebody gets their hand up your skirt, you know, especially somebody who came with a reputation, apparently. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know anything about Rolf Harris. Mind you, I didn't, I didn't know anything about loads of other people. I never thought about Stuart Hall. I've thought about other, a few other people in the business, you know, big celebrities. And I've thought, you know, but is that just messing around? Because if messing around is OK, that's fine. I'm sure there must have been times when I probably put my arm around somebody's shoulder. In fact, I would guarantee in my business there would be times like that. In the same same way that other people must have put their arms around me at some point, hoping to pull me, you know. And it's not like I'm difficult or anything, you know, just sort of phone. uh, Doors are open 24 hours a day. And, And you think to yourself, you know, some people laugh it off and some people go, ooh. And you think, but was it actually a sexual assault or was it just a dirty old man pushing his luck? In which case, you know, dig him in the ribs... Or, failing that, draw attention to it on the camera. Look, this is Rolf with his hand up my skirt. You know, do something like that. I mean, make something of it. Don't just brush it under the carpet. That doesn't do any good at all. 18 years on. Good God, I should imagine some of the people Rolf Harris must have interfered with must be dead by now. But it does constitute, doesn't it, 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 does, it does beg the question, what can you do and what can you not do? You know, can I go up to the producer, fling my arms around him and go, I love you. You know, can I do... Yeah, he, he says yeah. But there again, it's early in the morning and there's not much option, is there, round here? It's just me or nothing. And who's got the food? Me. You know, that kind of gives me the upper hand. It's a bit like grooming of producers. You know, you give them give bit of food, putty in your hands, let me tell you. So, I mean, are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to say to the producer at the end of the programme, uh, OK, should we go out for breakfast? You know, are you allowed to say that or is or is somebody going, oh, I'm not sure about that. That sounds like, a, I don't know what inappropriate behaviour is anymore. You're frightened. I mean, gone are the days where you could go up and sort of pat somebody's bottom. You can't do that now. They go rushing for HR. You can't actually do anything. And you're frightened to touch anybody. You know, you sort of go, hello, you look nice this morning. What's that mean? Um, nothing. I just think you look nice this morning. So we can't even give compliments to people because you're so worried that they'll misinterpret and probably burst into tears in front of you. So, easier now to back off, which makes us even more reclusive and makes us, you know, more, more difficult as a nation. We just don't express ourselves. Go to Italy, they're constantly flinging their arms around each other. Constantly holding. You go to Saudi Arabia, there's men walking down the street holding hands. and They're not gay. Well, not all of them. And uh, they just like holding hands. It's a sign of affection. Over here, we're like the British stand off. <sighs> don't touch me. Don't touch me at all. Don't come anywhere near me. And you think, it's a shame, really, isn't it? You know, even parents cannot express, you know, love and affection to their children. I remember the classic case a while ago, quite a few years ago, of a well-known newsreader who took pictures of her children in the bath and then sent them into boots to be processed. You know, like every, I'm sure that somewhere there are pictures of me in the bath with bubbles on my head because that was considered funny. But then somebody in boots complained and went, this is paedophilia. He went, it's her children in the bath, for Christ's sake. What sort of person are you? People worry about the, the oddest thing nowadays. And then we found the Christian Bakery, which Nick uh, alluded to earlier on, where one gay group wanted, you know, gay marriages, and they went, no, we're not doing it. I didn't know there was such a thing as a Christian Bakery, to be honest with you. <laughs> it comes as a big surprise to me. Quick time check, 4.15. Pels. Nick Ferrari and the team at 7 o'clock this morning as Theresa May launches a widespread inquiry into child abuse. And David Blunkett says that hacking victims suffer the same amount of emotional damage as Savile's victims. Nick will be asking, is he right? Plus, could a blood test help you spot Alzheimer's? And how involved should GPs get if they spot a child being abused? The paper reviewer this morning for Nick Ferrari is uh, Roger Alton, associate editor of The Times and the former editor of The Observer. You've got to be very careful when you talk about... Uh, People being abused. Remember all those children years ago, was it Cleveland, who were taken away by social workers because they claimed they'd been abused? And it turned out that social workers really were as dumb as we thought they were in the first place. They make more mistakes. You only have to highlight some of the cases like Victoria Columbia, where where they've just lost all sense of proportion. They can't spot a child being abused a mile off, you know, people with bruises all over their body, and the mother just says, oh no, she just fell over a few times. And social workers seem to accept it. You know, you sometimes lose the will to live. I used to have a campaign against social workers. So, somebody used to say to me, I'm a social worker. I used to think, oh, God, another person who doesn't exactly know what they're doing, but they're an interfering busybody. 8 Steve, at lbc.co.uk. Uh, there is the, the story that they're talking about in the papers today is, of course, the, uh, the government inquiry into this so-called paedophile ring operating within... The House of Commons and the House of Lords. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I can't quite believe I'm saying this. Not just at this time of the morning, but at any time, really. Because the House of Commons and the House of Lords has always been. Fairly small. We've known about all the people in there. Some of the names that are probably going to be emerging over the next few weeks, you're going to be going, oh, my goodness me, never thought about them. I don't know what it is. Are these, because I I haven't read enough into it, I just know that uh, Scotland Yard and the Home Office are going to get dragged into this because, quite clearly, somewhere along the line, people know names. People know names of either ex-ministers or ex-people from the House of Lords, Uh, or current people in the House of Lords and Westminster who quite clearly have been getting away with something like this for years. I don't know where they get these people from. I mean, when they say, because this this is what none of us understand, when they say it's a paedophile ring, do they mean that children were taken in to the House of Commons, into the House of Lords and abused in there? Or are they saying that these were children in homes and the people in the House of Lords and the House of Commons, whoever they happen to be... Uh, either male or female, because they can be both, uh, came out and abused the children in the homes? And was it cru- was it hushed up because they were children in homes and nobody really cared about them anyway? Or was it hushed up because they were MPs or they were members of the House of Lords and they were well-connected in high places? That's what we don't know. There's a, there's a piece today in The Sun talking about, you know, the abandoned police probe into paedophiles, the MI5 pledge. And then uh, Antonella Lazeri talking about the forgotten rent boys... And um, she says here uh, the Piccadilly Circus, the rent boys plied their trade at the chicken rack. It was never called the chicken rack, uh, Antonella. It was called the meat rack. It was always known as the meat rack. It never changed its name. It was never known as the chicken rack. And, uh, you know, I don't know where you got that name from. Is it because there were young people involved up there? There were professional rent boys back in the uh, the 80s, late 70s, early 80s. It was known. You only have to pick up the Spartacus Guide to realise, if she'd done her research properly, to realise that this was the place where... And the, the police... I wouldn't mind, Antonella, but the police cameras focused directly on the meat rack. At Piccadilly Circus. I know, because I used to work at New Scotland Yard, and you could play around with the cameras, and they could track people through London. And this was back in the 80s. Back in the 80s, you could track cars through London, just based on the amount of police cameras. They had the traffic cameras, and they had the crime cameras. And we had access to the traffic cameras, and you would sit there with a little joystick. We've got the same system upstairs, and they would say Piccadilly Circus is 171. You push in 171 on the keypad. Up comes Piccadilly Circus, and you move the joystick around, and the camera pans Piccadilly Circus, and you can home in. You could see what, you know, what, if people are sitting in their car eating a sandwich, you could practically tell what the filling was. The cameras were that good. And it could hone in on the meat rack, which was where the Rent Boys went to meet their clients. I mean, it went on for years. Donkey's years. They would, they would operate upstairs on the meat rack, never the chicken rack, always the meat rack, and then downstairs on the underground. It was well-known at New Scotland Yard, absolutely well-known. People knew exactly what went on there. I mean, it's like Soho's prostitutes, they've been operating for donkey's years. It's nothing. They're trying to make out like it's something new. They say the Forgotten Rent Boys. So most of these people either came out of homes, had absconded, or they were part of the scene. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if drugs were rife, I have no idea. I just know that that's what people did. But uh, it was never the chicken rack, it was always called the meat rack, for obvious reasons. But it did say, I remember seeing this this quote, that the uh, the toilet on the Piccadilly Underground, which was on the, the round rotunda bit, was the most heavily policed toilet, I think, in the country. Because the police would go in there, there were drug addicts, there were syringes all over the place. Constantly, it was being raided. Constantly. And people would ply their trade on the underground. And nobody seemed to think anything about it at the time. Why, years later, they kind of... Because most of the the rent boys must be in their 50s by now. Must be fairly ancient. Uh, Ali Ross today, talking about... um, This is... This is this morning. You can always guarantee, if there's some kooky person in the paper... Uh, then they're going to be on This Morning and interviewed by Eamon and Ruth. Very funny couple, very funny. Well, pull this way, when she gets a word in, because he just walks all over her, but there again, he looks like he walks all over everybody to get to the food. And so uh, Eamon Holmes was so overwhelmed by the famous guest, he spent almost as much time talking about her as he did himself, because he does spend a lot of time talking about himself. He also tried to wangle an invite to the White House, three years hence, which in terms of overfamiliarity, wasn't quite up there with Ryland Clark calling the First Lady babe. I mean, you have to ask yourself, don't you? I mean, are they just complete idiots on that programme? Answer, yes, they are. And uh, Rylan Clark. (laughs) That's a career which is doomed to finish very shortly, I should imagine. Uh, There's a Labour MP in the paper today. I have to mention him because he's the shadow health minister, Jamie Reid, who was blasted yesterday for posting a joke about HIV. He quickly apologised for retweeting the sick gag, but campaigners said they're a bit disappointed. Yes, I, I agree. He sent it to his 14,500 followers involving a man texting his ex's gloating new lover. Tell her I tested HIV positive. Alan Anderson from Positively UK, the HIV charity, says we're really disappointed to see a shadow health minister. Mr. Reid claimed it was retweeted accidentally when the phone was in his pocket. Oh. Always got an answer, haven't you, mate? Always got an answer for things like that. That's the best you're going to get, I suppose, at the time. They're never quite... Perhaps I mean, you can't believe that somebody would be that dumb as to actually retweet something like that intentionally. Hmm? Agree? 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. And then the terribly tragic story of the 17-year-old schoolboy who goes over and uh, he's on an Arctic adventure with pals in uh, Svalbard in Norway. And they're in a camp and there's quite a number of them and uh, there are polar bears around there. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen polar bears. They're not the little cuddly things you think they are. They've got, you know, practically six inch long claws. They can sniff out a baby seal from about two miles away. They can, if they're hungry, they'll do anything. So this camp was equipped... They thought with trip wires, which would set off explosives. Which, because bears run away from things like that, because they don't like the sound of guns. They've got a gun that's got a couple of bullets, and they've got some flares, and that's all they've got. Unfortunately, on this particular evening, when they all go to bed, Horatio Chapel, who was the uh, Eton pupil, was on this Arctic adventure, and a bear came into the camp. It kind of walked all the way through the trip wires. I mean, tripwires form no basis of deterrent for a, for a polar bear that when it stands up can be about 13 feet tall. That's how big. Anyway, it, uh, it, uh, it had toothache as well. Now, bears with toothache, much as though it's the same as us, I'm afraid, they, uh, they suffer quite badly and they take it out on anything. This bear is hungry. It can sniff food, as I say, from miles away. And so it doesn't need to do anything. It just breaks into the tent and it drags him out. It doesn't see him as a person. You have to understand, this is a polar bear. It sees him as meat. It sees him as a meal. And so it proceeds to literally pull him apart. By this time, his friends have woken up. They're all screaming, bear, bear. They get the guns out. The bullets just seem to fall out the gun. They don't seem to go anywhere at all. And uh, this this boy uh, tries to... Sit up, tries to stand up, and by this time, it's practically all over. He slumps back to the ground again. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't stand up again. I mean, there was missing gear. It was a tragedy waiting to happen. The tripwire warning system didn't work properly. Nobody was put on watch. You know, whenever you do things like this, you've got because these bears come around, and you've got to be sitting there. Just firing a gun off would actually have been enough to scare this thing. In the end, they, they killed it. But uh, his, uh, his, his death, is an absolute tragedy, an absolute tragedy. I should imagine the pupils who are with him were so traumatized by this and and i don 't know who is to blame that they 're looking now at, at a statement uh making sure that anybody else who goes in this area but i mean it's it 's not enough for this poor family of this of this boy is it Horatio chapel 's family have to live with this for the rest of their life. However, however bad it is for them, for the pupils who were on the trip, the experience is even worse. That will haunt them forever. Their friend being mauled to death. Um, It picked him up at one point and just threw him to the ground. These things are enormous. Absolutely huge. You see them when they, uh, they start wandering into town inside the Arctic Circle. And the town has to dart them and airlift them out somewhere else to make them go back again. And there's loads of them. There's loads of them. They send out trucks onto the ice so you can, you know, view the polar bears. When they stand up, they can practically reach into the truck. They're you don't stand a cat in hell's chance. He didn't need to run because the bear could have caught him anyway, but it uh, reminds me of the similar situation with a boy who went out to Africa and a lioness came looking for food. He made the big mistake of running. You know, you start running, lions see you as prey. They're not. They're not quite prepared for something if you just stand there, although our instinct is to run. Dreadful, isn't it? Absolutely dreadful. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Quick time check. It's uh, (laughs) 4.30. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to 5. The socialist mayor of Paris has come up with a brilliant idea. He wants to ban smoking in parks. We were saying earlier... Now, I mean, it's going to make me sound a bit sanctimonious, this. I don't want to sound sanctimonious about smoking. I was a smoker. Uh, for many, many years. I smoked from the age of 14 up till the age of, well, quite a long time. And uh, I did give up at one point for two years. And then I started again, thinking, as you do, and everybody's done it. Oh, I'll just have one cigarette a week. That'll be enough to keep me happy. I'll just, be, I'll just have one cigarette a week or I'll have one at Christmas. Well, anyway, I tried that and I was back on 60 a day. And I was doing 60 a day for quite a number of years. In fact, it was it, it was proverbial chain smoking. As fast as one cigarette was out, you lit another one. And I don't know if it was the action of holding the cigarette or smoke. I don't know what it was, but it was, it was very addictive. And so the mayor of Paris is thinking of banning smoking in parks. Now, we've banned smoking here in buildings. We've banned it in restaurants. Uh, a few people tried a short while ago. A couple of NAF celebrities thought it was very clever to smoke inside one place. And they were sort of quickly ejected. Because places can lose their licence if they knowingly allow somebody to smoke in there. So... Consequently, you end up with people standing outside buildings with a fag on. The worst thing is, it's messy. It's really, really messy. I admit, I did exactly the same. I did exactly the same. I did smoke a cigarette and you put it on the floor and you, and you just sort of tread on it and that's it. And then the road sweeper you expect, because that's what he gets paid for, comes along and sweeps it up and puts it in the, in the trash can. But then I started thinking about how many people smoke in an office and you wonder, do they work later in the day to compensate for the amount of times they go out for a cigarette break? Is that how it works? Because do the people who don't smoke have the same opportunity to go outside? I'm just going outside now because so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so so and so and so all went out, and they so far today they've been out for a total of an hour. Not actually an hour, you know, at one one hit, but spread out over a number of occasions. And so I want to go outside and have a break too. I'm going to go out and sit in the, sit in the park for half an hour. I wonder whether the bosses would actually go for that idea. Um, they think, you know, 30% of people smoke in France. Oh... <laughs> You know, they do, everybody smokes in France, don't they? I remember seeing people... I was watching Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club the other night. And and there was a guy smoking in there while they were doing the programme. They, you know, people smoked in it. It was a set in Granada. And he had yellow-stained fingers. And I remember the first time I noticed that I had yellow-stained fingers. I remember thinking, whoa! And I got the scrubbing brush out. And uh, that was the last time I ever did that. And I wondered when, when that ever stopped. Yellow-stained fingers. Mind you, talk of things stopping. Remember I said yesterday that uh, the one thing we'd got rid of in London, those disgusting, filthy hot dog wagons... Somebody sent me in a picture this morning. I think it was Jenny. She's found one. And uh, it's, and there it is. It's... Uh, don't ever buy from them. Filthy, dirty, disgusting. OK? Riddled with all sorts of illnesses. And uh, you don't want to go anywhere near them. Uh, who was it who sent it to me? I think it was... Uh, it was Jenny. She says, I thought of these uh, ten minutes ago in London. I saw it. Don't ever buy from them. Please don't ever, ever buy from them. I don't want you all to get sick. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Richard says, uh, have you ever done phone-in shows? Earth, what do I want to do things like that for? You're quite mad, are you? Of course I have. I've been in the business 300 years. <laughs> of course I have. And, uh, 84850. And then Casey says, thank you, you've sent my baby off to sleep. Good night. Good night. It's quite nice, actually. I think, I think voices always send people to sleep. The producer in particular, I was thinking of the other week, you know, sometimes, I promised I'd never mentioned it again, but, you know, about ten times now. And um, it, it, sometimes you, I mean, I've done it. You know, when you're sitting in a car and somebody's talking and you think, I'm really, I'm going to go to sleep. I just because they've got a very soothing voice, I want to listen to them. And I have sat in cars before, and I, I think well, years, it was a long time ago. You know, it's not that I haven't sat in cars recently, I have sat in cars recently, but a long, long time ago. Uh, I would sit in cars with my parents and my mum and dad would be chatting and it was that, all of a sudden you sort of, you dip down don't you, into that little bit where you think any minute now I'm just going to and you just drift away I've been like that driving sometimes you know when you come back from somewhere and you're so tired down the motorway and you're watching the white line and only yet you've sat there and thinking oh I'm so tired you can understand why people have accidents because you just want to close your eyes and think oh to hell with it you know and so you try opening all the windows. That doesn't help. You just get sort of, you know, frostbite in your ears. And then I discovered the trick. Chewing gum. Chewing gum is the trick in cars. Because it keeps you alert. Or failing that, bits of fruit apparently are quite good. But, I mean, who can be bothered to cut up fruit for you go on a car journey? You know, I'm more worried about finding a toilet or something like that. Have a quick wee. But, no, chewing gum is, is, the, is the be all and all. Be all and, and um, helps you. And it's very good. It's very nice. You know, so I take chewing gum now... Everywhere in the car. Malcolm says Geordie Shaw's been refused permission to film in Blackpool, as the council think the programme's way too seedy. Exactly, you don't want to take Blackpool down any further with Geordie Shaw. Uh, then we had graffiti in London on the 7-7 Memorial, which was uh, sprayed on there. Some, uh, some pathetic graffiti. Four innocent Muslims and Blair lied. Thousands died on many of the pillars. Well, I mean, they'll be caught on CCTV, because the whole place is honeycombed with CCTV. And we'll catch them and let's, let's throw them in prison, shall we? I'm not interested in stupid people who desecrate things. They're generally a bit sort of limited intelligence. And, um... There's one here. A ferry passenger was facing jail last night after starting a blaze while smoking cannabis from a bong. Bowden Hughes, who's 26, but with a mental age of about five, I think, uh, endangered the lives of a thousand passengers uh, with a lighter adapted to produce a constant flame. He put it down in his cabin and accidentally set a pile of clothes ablaze. Um... Flames spread quickly, sparking a major rescue operation. It's a DFDS ship to Amsterdam, had to return to Newcastle, with damage estimated at £815,000. Hughes, who comes from Sunderland, Thickeau, has been remanded in custody, and uh, he will attract a substantial sentence of imprisonment. I don't they just say you're going to prison for a very long time? They have to. It makes it sound all posh, doesn't it, really? But 815,000... He was going to Amsterdam. Stupid boy. I wonder why. I wonder why he was going to Amsterdam. What do you reckon, ladies and gentlemen? What do you reckon he was going to Amsterdam for? Do you think maybe he was going for clogs and dykes and uh, tulips? No, he was probably going for drugs. Stupid man. Talking of drugs, actually, there's a father here, a plasterer, Michael Sheehan. Oh, dear. Michael Sheehan's another one who's a bit dim, I'm afraid. And uh, he was driving his Range Rover on the A13 in Essex, and he, uh, he got caught by the police, so he threw cocaine out of his car window. £200,000 worth of it. What a silly little girl's blouse he is. When finally cornered, he rammed his 4x4 into the front of a police car with his girlfriend and child still inside. He's even dumber than you imagine. The dad of three had been banned from driving a month before, but that didn't stop him. Uh, he told police he'd been offered £500 to drive the package from Kent, was trying to make some money. In Breaking Bad, a teacher turns to manufacturing dugs to support his family. He did in admit possession of cocaine with intent to supply, and uh, also driving whilst disqualified, dangerous driving, and he's gone to prison for six years. <sighs> a bigger prat you'd be hard-pushed to find, wouldn't you, really? So he's wrecked his future and that of his partner. He wrecked his future when he carried on driving after he was disqualified. You see them all the time on the telly, don't you? They sort of stop them and they go, so do you have, we, we don't have any evidence of a licence, what's your name? And they go, oh, I'm not telling you. It was the bloke they stopped the other day, he was, um, well not the other day, but It was the other day on this, uh, uh, this, this sort of programme where they, they look at lowlifes. And they stop him and the policeman looked at him and he said, I've stopped you before. And the bloke goes, I don't know you. He said, yes, he said, because the last time I stopped you I had a film crew with me from the BBC. He said, and we stopped you as well for, you don't have a licence, do you? You're a bit of a stupid person. Anyway, he's gone to prison now, so that was good. But I still think the cyclist was the funniest. I still think the cyclist was the best one. The cyclist in Brighton who argued with the policeman, you know, why are you wasting your time with me? You're just looking for a bit of subservience, aren't you? He quite clearly had a big chip on his shoulder. He was driving what can only be described as a little girly bike, because he was a bit of a girly, and he had no lights on it, and he quite clearly had a bit of a sherbet. He was driving on the pavement, and he ran red lights thousand pound fine. I laughed. I I love it when they get fined like that. I really love it because I'm just so above the law. I mean, I'm just so perfect. It's almost embarrassing. I'm perfect with the tax man. I'm perfect with everything. I mean, it's just it's I know it's sickening to behold, but I promise you I am the nearest thing to perfection that you're ever going to uh, listen to on the radio. And bearing in mind, I can send babies to sleep as well. It's good, isn't it? I think if you can send babies to sleep, I think that's a bit of a bonus point. Here she is in the paper today. This is uh, Geordie Shore, Charlotte Crosby. She's not a star, she's just a fat, overweight lump. And she's in a park with her gut hanging over the trousers, luckily with the photographer to take a picture of her so you can see how fat she is. And then she's got her trainer there. Why don't you do it at home, love? Make some somebody as fat and as ugly as you, don't go out there with a crop top on. Please, please, stay at home. Stay at home. Make it, make it sort of interesting. Make it interesting. But I reckon she's absolutely got a DVD out. I think she's got a DVD out. I'm pretty, pretty certain. And so my advice is, do not waste your time buying it. Uh, Front page of the the Mail today. The Home Office gave half a million pounds to groups linked to campaigners for sex with children. This one's going to run and run, isn't it? It's absolutely, absolutely going to run and run and run. Because I just don't think... I mean... Cyril Smith could have been put on trial. He could have been put on trial, but word came down from uh, from upstairs that he was to be released, so consequently, he was never charged. He was never ever charged, and that's what I don't quite understand, why he wasn't charged. You know, it's it's uh, it's a very very odd thing that he should have been because the evidence was all there. And and then you sort of think to yourself, would you know, would he in this? Actually, somebody said to me that if Jimmy Savile hadn't died, would we have had all these other cases come forward? If Jimmy Savile hadn't died, because then it started. It did, I mean, it, it was it was there as an underlying current while Jimmy Savile was alive, but it was it was glossed over, and then all of a sudden he dies, and then the floodgates open, and then along comes Stuart Hall, and then along comes uh, Max Clifford, and then Rolf Harris. And a whole list of other names that you just go, what? How can this be in this day and age? And the answer is because it, it just is. And I, even Peter from Broccoli says the same. He says, I wonder if Jimmy Savile hadn't died, whether or not this actually would have come, come to the fore. And the answer is, I don't know. Gary and Morden says, it says on Wiki, you're 60. You keep saying you're in your 30s. Somebody hacked you. No, I'm 39. I keep telling people I'm 30. I don't know why you believe anything. I can't believe you'd even disbelieve me. Is the matter with it? You. Mind you, are in uh, Morden, aren't you? Not exactly the most intelligent place in the London area. Got to be rude about Morden. I'm sure bits of it are quite nice. The bit that says you're leaving, uh, eight four eight five o. Oh. Uh, a lot of people talk about Vanessa Feltz. It's amazing how many of you. I mean, she's been targeted by the by the internet trolls, who quite clearly... I mean, they, they haven't said they don't believe her. They've just sort of... They've poured scorn on the idea and made jokes about Rolf Harris and why he'd bother with somebody like Vanessa Feltz when he was a paedophile and all this kind of stuff. And so she says she's shocked by it. I don't know why she would be. She's been in radio for donkey's years. That can't be the first time she's ever been trolled. I mean, she it really can't be. In fact, I would guarantee it probably hasn't been. So I don't know why she's getting all uppity over it, because everybody gets trolled at some point. Erm... Um, Another one here. Uh, this is from this is from uh, Ian on Wimbledon. He said, "Did you see uh, poor Victoria Beckham at the finals?" Yes, looking. She never smiled, did she? I don't think she. I don't think she knows what the word excitement is. I think she's worried that if she gets lines on her face, they might stay there. They might stay there. Anyway, uh, Ian is in Phoenix, and you're welcome to it. Apparently, it's boiling hot over there. It's not too bad over here. We've had a little bit of rain and uh, busy day. Busy day. Uh, Simon in Liverpool says, "I'm listening to your show. Where's your accent from, uh, Merseyside?" <laughs> does, I don't think it matters. It's not like if you listen to somebody from Newcastle, or you listen to somebody from Scotland or somewhere from. I was going to say Manchester, but I mean that doesn't really come in, does it? It's got to be somewhere with a fairly strong accent, you know. And unfortunately, if you come from the London area or you, you came from around, you know, this area here, you don't really have accents. Depends what sort of school you went to, doesn't it? And mine was a very, very good school, and so I ended up with. What I like to think is no accent at all, but a very distinctive voice. You could hear me in a crowd and you go, that's Steve Allen.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast show on LBC. This is the one that everybody wakes up to and listens uh, to on the radio. Why? Because you like it. Uh, My dog listens to LBC all day, says Daryl. There you go, which is good news, isn't it? 84850 oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, one here that says, uh, another one here. Uh, as for Vanessa, what constitutes abuse? Well, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I suppose somebody putting their hand up your dress in her case, that's an abuse. And she says she fend, felt uh, violated, you know, and stuff like I don't know. That's what I said at the beginning of the programme. I said at the beginning of the programme, I don't know what constitutes abuse nowadays. Is that somebody sort of touching you in a way that you don't want to be touched? In which case, then you make it perfectly clear to them. I don't understand why you don't say anything. On a television programme, you say something. Especially a programme like that. Isn't it odd... Does mark marked that the authorities lost the alleged Westminster child abuse files, but they never lost Jimmy Savile's or Stuart Hall's or Rolf Harris's. It's a bit, bit selective. Well, in this one, this might go even higher than Westminster. This might go as high as the Foreign Office. It might go as high as uh, New Scotland Yard. It might go to MI6. I don't know. I mean, we really don't know. That's, that's why they're going to do an investigation. Strange enough, no judges are going to be involved with this. It sounds like it's going to be one giant cover-up. But uh, I'm sure if some people... Uh, if some people have their way, they will be naming names. But I wonder whether they'll play it safe and only name names of those people who are dead, as opposed to worrying about people who are alive. Uh, Another one here. Uh, This is from Tim. says, What good is it destroying respectable British institutions for crimes that may have happened decades ago? Well, that was just it, isn't it? That's why. That's why. Are you referring to the House of Commons? Are you referring to the House of Lords? Well, if there's corruption inside there and things have got... What are you saying? It's all right to go and murder somebody and just leave it because it happened a few years ago? No, for goodness sake, don't be so silly. That would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? And very immature of you to suggest something like that. Uh, I couldn't agree... With you more, says Alex, there's a big difference between a sexual assault and, as you say, a dirty old man trying his luck. All this Harris touched my boobs and I developed a drug addiction really doesn't float with me. When I was younger, I'd be approached by all sorts of people trying their luck and i just laughed and tell them where to go. Yes, I mean, that would that'd be quite, you know, it, it would be an easy thing to do, wouldn't it? Somebody get go, oh, get your hand off her, grow up. You know, and that was the big put-down line. But she's on television. A feisty person? Don't ever get me wrong. Listen. She wasn't put on there because she was attractive. She was put on there because she was feisty, because they knew they were going to get something out of her. But most people seem to think nowadays she's just publicity-hungry and she'll do anything. But she saw it as an assault. Although she never mentioned it before. I just wonder why. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, another one here. Uh it says, uh, you're right about Kanye West. Is this the Kanye West, the the white clothing, sorry, the white linen and the black linen and all the rest of it? And... Yeah, that's right, yeah. Goes out with, with Kardashian, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. They're, they're married. And apparently he might or might not have had a fling with somebody else. There was lots of allegations, weren't there? But he's American, so I really couldn't care less about him. But uh, it's the riders that these people put in their, in their little thing. And I'm sure at some point, Paul Blue... You know, used to do that. Mind you, the good news was the other day they had a bit of a failure on one of the stages at um, at Hyde Park. And Lawson couldn't play, which was a bit of a bit of a tragedy because I quite like Lawson. But the good news was that Five couldn't play either. Oh, there is a God. God obviously is a music lover and decided he wasn't going to let Five ever play again with that ridiculous. Sorry, really devastated. Is that the group with Richie Neville in it? Uh, naff, old Richie Neville. Yes, he's, he's from from where? Bromsgrove is he? Poor soul. Hasn't he just got Natasha, what's her name, up the duff or something like that? Yeah, he he came back to do the reunion programme hooked up with somebody because he's got to try and resurrect a career. To be honest with you, I always thought he was gay, but there you go. What do I know about pop music? I don't know anything at all. But uh, So Five couldn't play. You know, imagine how disappointed their fan must have been. How disappointed, Stanley. again. Are Five not playing? Oh, we only came all this way to see <clears> five. <throat> yeah, right. Yeah, right. 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Neil says, like you, I really enjoyed the Tour de France on television. Managed to see the cyclists, they went through Woodford. Crowds were tremendous. Once again, we put the great back into Britain. Lovely to see all the crowds around Morton, Weald, and Epping. Wasn't it great? I thought it was fantastic. I nearly cried, because I thought that they must be... so. If you're cycling... And, you know, and you think, is anybody going to turn up? And they blooming well turned up in Essex. They were out there en masse and they were fantastic. People were waving flags and clapping and cheering. They'd obviously decide to make a day of it and take a picnic out and really have, you know, a lot of fun. And that's exactly what it was. No sort of old, over made up old tarts from the programmes or anything like that. Nobody, Nobody being silly. There were people just standing and clapping them and cheering them because it's quite a sight to see. It really is. It's a fantastic thing. To, and I said you wouldn't be disappointed. I said you wouldn't be disappointed. And I don't think I was wrong. I think we were all very, very happy with the way it, uh, it, uh, it turned out. Other stories in the papers today. Front page of the, uh, the Mirror. Seconds away from disaster. This is a, a plane coming into land at Barcelona. I'll tell you, some of these airports. I've landed at Kai Tak, so I know. Daily Mirror. Furious, the government launches two inquiries into the Westminster child sex scandal, but neither led by a judge. We'll come around to that uh, a little bit later on. Here's uh, little Mario Balotelli. Who is he? He's a footballer, isn't he? Just a footballer with a silly haircut. He appears... Oh, no, he's still got the silly haircut. <coughs> and um, he was playing around with a Belgian model whose name's Fanny. Of course it is. And uh, and that's like, luckily they had a photographer on the beach to manage to capture the shots for them. Because you know that most of these third-raters take the cameraman out with them and they take pictures and then they go, let's try and pretend we're having fun in the water. You know, like you're going to see somebody standing on a beach with a camera. Of course you are. The scripts of nearly half the new episodes of Doctor Who were leaked online yesterday. So, I love telling people these storylines. I make a habit of things like that. If ever I hear a storyline that's going in the plot, I tell people. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, yeah, if there's another death coming up in Coronation Street, I'm the first one to tell people. I don't mess around with her. What's the point of lying to somebody? They're six weeks in advance. It's bound to get out somewhere, isn't it? Bound to get out. Uh, Michelle Keegan, still looking for a job and nothing in the pipeline at the moment. But um, women think she has the perfect bikini body. Do they, really? I'm sure. What sort of women have they surveyed for this thing? Whereas uh, Kelly Brook is the one preferred by most men. Yep, OK, that's fine, that's fine. It's a bit naff, isn't it, really? So, do they know you if you're acting, Michelle? No, dear, do they don't? They just know you because you've got the perfect bikini body. She hasn't really, of course, they just sort of make it up. And Britain's most violent prisoner still tried to tout the fact that, uh, poor Mr Bronson, Charles Bronson, not his real name, of course, um has been moved to a stripped-down cell in Wakefield, because it's the only one that can cope with him. Oh, he's such a girl. He really is, honestly. It's pathetic, really, these sort of titles. He's staying in prison for the rest of his life, uh, nobody really cares about him, and they call him a violent prisoner. It's just, it's put out by his sort of people to make him sound interesting. And every so often, you know, they go, oh, he's, he's been moved because he's really violent again, and uh, he brawled with guards at a top security prison. He probably sort of got upset over there wasn't any toast or something for breakfast or they'd run out of butter or something like that. So he, because they, they want him to have the title of Britain's most violent prisoner, they sort of make up little stories. Nobody on the outside gives a toss, I'm afraid, about him. Nobody really cares. Nobody cares at all, apart from the people around him who go, we've got to keep this up that he's Britain's most violent prisoner. Whereas, in fact, uh, I should imagine the prison guards will be wetting themselves laughing at that one this morning. Um, the Soviet politician, Evard Shevardnadze, who helped bring about the fall of the Berlin Wall, has died aged 86. Those people of a certain age will remember Mr Shevardnadze, because uh, Mikhail Gorbachev made him foreign minister in 85, and he was the diplomat's face of the president's liberalising policies of Glasnost and Perestroika. He helped push through the withdrawal of Soviet troops from Afghanistan, and uh, he also helped negotiate German reunification in 1990. People are living really good ages nowadays, aren't they? Really, really, really good ages. Oh, lots of lovely pictures in the paper today of, uh, of bicycling uh, at Finching Field in Essex. Huge crowds. Huge crowds. Uh, also, uh, round Big Ben. I'm so delighted for them. I'm glad that they were like 20 deep in places and I'm glad that they were, you know, all there and having a fantastic time because you won't see it again, will you? We won't see it again, and it was was just... It was absolutely wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Ian Highland's talking today about... I have to do this one because it's on... uh, He says, picture the scene. The Ivy restaurant, London, about a year ago. John Bishop... I won't do the accent, because it's too embarrassing, actually, because he's, like, professional scouser. Did I ever tell you about the time I cycled back from Australia to Liverpool in the 80s? BBC exec. No, that sounds like quite an experience, John Bishop. Yeah, it was, but I was too busy with the cycling. I really want to go back to see the Australian uh, parts I didn't see. BBC exec. Sounds expensive, John Bishop. The thing is, I've always felt I had unfinished business with Australia, you know. BBC exec. Perhaps you should book a holiday out there. John Bishop taps fingers on table. BBC exec, oh, oh, would you like us to pay for you to go out there? John Bishop, boss idea. Don't worry about the film crew, though, I'll get my production company to film it and just send you an invoice. BBC exec, um, OK, now, are we getting lunch today or are you? Uh JB, mm-hmm. BBC exec, hi, can I have the bill, please? Now, I'm not saying, says Ian Highland, any of the above actually took place, but I did find it a bit odd that BBC One served up John Bishop's Australia so soon after BBC Two had sent the coast mob out there. Plus, isn't it funny how John plucked his Australia trip out of the old memory bank and not, say, a fortnight he'd spent as a kid in a caravan in Prestatin. Yes, he's becoming a little bit of a professional Geordie, isn't he, really? He's making my flesh creep a little bit. Sorry about that. You know, some people think he's absolutely fantastic. You know, when I saw the pictures of him with the Duchess of Cambridge, I thought, oh, dear, we're social climbing. And uh, it's so lovely now. When the big... Good God, what is that? Oh, dear, I'm so sorry. I was a little bit taken aback. I'm a huge supporter of Scotland, but I think they've gone Tartan Barmy Army now. Why? Because looking at what they're coming up with for the Commonwealth Games, it looks like a meeting of people in Tonga. It's, I've, I've never seen anything so ridiculous. I shall have to come and bring you that a little bit later on. And um, and also barbecues. The uh, advice, I think, from everybody is, don't have them anymore. They're dangerous. Anybody come on your early breakfast show this morning with Steve Allen on LBC before the morning news at 6:30. The government launches two inquiries into the Westminster sex abuse claims. The Tour de France huge success. In the capital, out in Essex, in Cambridge. Fantastic. I'll bring you the story of Michael Hutchins, the relatives of Michael, pleading with his daughter, Tiger Lady, to reconnect with the family. They just seem to lose track, don't they? And they don't bother anymore, it's a shame. Uh, the Bulls scored a hit in Pamplona. Yep, fantastic. Finally, the Bulls gore somebody, as they do every single year. The sooner they abolish this piece of barbarism, the better I will... Feel about it. Oh, and James Arthur. Yes, I couldn't remember either. Wants to appear on MasterChef. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's next.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text eight four eight five zero Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, very
1: nice to be company. Welcome along to the most listened to early breakfast show in the world at this time. Uh, we can be rundown down later on what Nick is going to be talking about on his programme at 7 o'clock this morning. James Arthur wants to appear on MasterChef. Well, he's tried the singing malarkey, and that doesn't seem to work, did it? So let's try a bit of the cooking. The trouble is, I don't really want to see people with tattoos all over the television. The good news is that once you get to 32, if you have tattoos, you're considered a bit of a dinosaur now. Because people over 32 are expected to have grown up a little bit. And I do worry about the people with the tattoos up the side of their necks. What are they going to look like? when they start going out into the workplace. (sighs) Bad news, isn't it? And the, the tartan barmy, what in God's name are they wearing for the Scotland Games kit? We'll tell you on LBC now on 6.30. We take all your texts and emails, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Actually, it was funny, because listening to uh, Nick Abbott talking an awful lot of sense about uh, your fears of immigration and why people worry about it, because it's taking away jobs, but as he pointed out quite rightly, you know, if it wasn't for the, uh, the East Europeans coming over from Poland and Bulgaria and Romania, you wouldn't have anybody serving coffee in coffee shops. Many because the Brits haven't got the faintest idea, A, how to make coffee in a coffee shop. Secondly, they, uh, they don't want to be sort of cheerful all the time. They're as miserable as hell. We've got a couple in the Starbucks in Twickenham. Well, to say that they're lacking in personality would be an understatement. You know, whereas the Polish girls, they're always smiling and happy. You know why? Because back in Poland, you know, they can earn practically nothing. Over here, they're earning what in Poland is considered very good. So much so they can make money here, send it back to Poland. You know, people come over here specifically to wash cars because it pays better money than back home. People keep saying, why would they want to come here? Are they coming here for benefits? No, no, no. There might be a few of them come here for benefits. I found it quite interesting the other day. We have Conways in Twickenham. It's a, a big... Uh, company that do the roads and make pavements and do all the rest of it. And I thought at one time, Conway's, being with the name, bit of a giveaway, I thought Irish, full of Irish people work. No, it's all Polish. There's not one word of English being spoken at all on the streets. It really is quite amazing, actually, because I thought Conway would have been. So perhaps it's obviously cheaper to employ Polish labour over here to do the pavements, because they can obviously make a decent living, than it, where have all the Irish labourers gone? Perhaps they don't do labouring anymore. Perhaps people have given up in that department. But Conway's is all Polish. certainly is in Twickenham. I don't know what it's like in your uh, neck of the woods. And, in fact, if you look at all the uh, the people who are doing all the building work now, Polish. Polish, the British builders. You know, because it's, it's the price, isn't it? It comes down to the price. It comes down to what you're prepared to pay. And you couldn't care less where your clothes come from as long as they're the right price. You know, how many times you look inside it, answer, you never look inside it to see where it's made all this balderdash. People go, oh, I always look inside on the label. They're cobblers. Of course you don't. You never look at things like that. You just look at the price. You go, I mean, I looked at the shirt the other day. And I thought, that's OK. It's a white short sleeve shirt. How much was it? Nine quid. Nine quid in Marks and Spencers. I couldn't care less where it's made. I'm really not remotely bothered. Why would I be bothered where it's made? The people over there are earning money. It's either earn money or don't earn money. And so they earn money. This is from Marks and Spencers. A pack of three white shirts... In my collar size, short-sleeved, easy to wash and iron, £27 for three. <laughs> it's a work shirt. It's a work, admittedly, I look particularly attractive, but it's, it's a work shirt. That's all it is, £9. I have spent £29 on a shirt, but there's no difference. This one maybe. I mean, if anybody looked at me, they wouldn't have the faintest idea how much this shirt cost. They might look at me and think that I would be spending £50 on a shirt. Wrong. Never would spend that much on a shirt. And so I'm quite happy with it, but I don't, I don't know where it's made, and I'm not remotely interested. I'm assuming China. Because that's where they've got all the big factories, or India, somewhere like that. But the people are working in them, and they're being paid money. And if that factory wasn't there, they wouldn't be earning anything at all. So it serves a purpose. If, of course, you want to choose to believe that everything is made in sweatshops, and they're not all sweatshops over in China. There might be little sweatshops, of course there are. But some of the big factories, they come under the under scrutiny of the, of the government. Uh, eight for eight five zero oh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, and we shall weave everything in on the programme. Um, this is one here. Uh, a reality show on Charles Bronson's tantrums would be very entertaining, says D. Yes, I, w- I would, think so. The trouble is, I don't know why we're even mentioning him, he's of no interest to anybody. It's only the, his, his friends on the outside sort of try and keep this myth going that he's hard, as if it makes any difference where he is. He's having to stand in the shower with everybody else, eat his food with everybody else, sit in the cell with everybody else. He's got nothing. He's not going to be coming out anytime soon, is he? (laughs) Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here, which says uh, a lot of people sort of still talking about whether or not this will be a huge cover-up inside Parliament. And to be honest with you, if it's been covered up up until now... I'm assuming they're going to say, well, we found no evidence of this at all. And somebody else is going to go, well, I've got a copy of that. That's all we need. We need to see the list, don't we? I want to see the the list that Geoffrey Dickens had. Uh, If they dished out medals for fashion at the Commonwealth Games, it's unlikely this group would be on the podium. Team Scotland unveiled their official outfits for the Glasgow event. Fuchsia, sky blue and tartan kits have not gone down well with fans. I mean, they are absolutely hideous. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen anything so bad in my entire life. Uh, the athletes have insisted that they liked the outfits, but uh, Jim Purdy says, I'd start crying if my mother had made me wear this. <laughs> gymnast, says, uh, gymnast Amy Regan says, I'm in love with our kit. It just looks awful. I don't know why. Why does it look so dreadful? Surely somebody can come up with something better, can't they? Let's give it to somebody of interest and get them to design something. Because I, I do laugh. Every time I see things which are so-called designer items, because they never seem to be... I don't know where you see people wearing them. I really don't. Lovely picture of Cheryl Cole doing her girl next door. Just don't open your mouth, love. Don't open your mouth and ruin it for us. And uh, all it is here is uh, she's, uh, she's the face of, um, of some new hair colouring. As I say, don't let her open her mouth. That's great. She's a bit like David Beckham. David Beckham can stand there posing. Just don't let him speak, because that's when people go... He goes, I'd like to... Do cl- <coughs> I'd like to declare... <laughs> you know, don't talk, Dave. Don't talk. Better that you don't. Better that you just have sort of an image of trying to look butch. Because when you open your mouth, you kind of ruin it completely. And Cheryl Cole, exactly the same. You know, looks lovely, but uh, unfortunately, then it opens its mouth and you suddenly realise that uh, it's from Newcastle. Uh, here we go. Rapper Kanye West. I have to do this story because I love... I love the the idea that celebrities can still make demands of people and start behaving like divas. I remember there was one at the BBC. The rooms of her... The, the walls of her room had to be covered with a certain material. It was silk, and they had to sort of redo the dressing room. And then her tea had to be a certain temperature. And I remember thinking, do you know, you just want to sort of shove them in a, in, a, in an old room. And they go, there you go, there's your room. And they go, I'm sorry, where is the... And you go, well, we're not doing it, love. Well, I'm leaving. Well, leave! Leave! You're the one who looks stupid. So Kanye West is at Wireless, and uh, he, he only likes whiter than white. White furnishings, accessories, and only white fabrics, because he's, he's obviously a bit cracked in the head. Anyway, imagine the trauma. Imagine, I mean, for goodness sake, he nearly went in a meltdown, I'm afraid, when some lowly runner splashed black linen around the place. Black linen, my God! Cue pandemonium. Kanye will only ever have a white dressing room and this is usually included in his rise rider but for some reason there was black linen in the dressing room on the Finsbury Park site. This could not be allowed to happen. Organisers were told to get rid and replace it with the white stuff or Kanye wouldn't stop step foot in there. So over the next few hours festival staff were dispersed all over town to buy new crisp white linen but nobody wanted to upset Kanye, especially as he'd stepped in to replace Drake at the last minute there was panic but luckily, phew they managed to get it all sorted and girly boy Kanye West actually got his little prissy way and they went there you go, you can have white linen. Imagine if Kim Kardashian had been there imagine if that two of them had thrown a tantrum and she'd sat on something with a bottom that size not the first time Kanye has uh, requested a white dressing room. Last year, he even requested that his white carpet in one of his 15 dressing rooms backstage at the BBC be ironed before his arrival. <sighs> I'd have pushed him out the window, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, pal. Goodbye. <laughs> You're too stupid for words. A source says it's part of the standard part of his rider. Kanye is most comfortable when he's surrounded by white... It's hilarious, isn't it, really? It's about having a serene place to relax before a big performance. <laughs> it's about being a bit of a girl's blouse. Meanwhile, Cara Delevingne requested a personal security guard to escort her from one side of the site to the other. Don't worry, darling. Nobody's going to go anywhere near you. You're pretty safe on that one. Oh, Cher Lloyd's releasing an album. Yep, yeah, I thought you'd be greeting that with indifference. And um, she's, uh, she's in control of the music. That'll sink without trace. And uh, she says, I'm not just a girl who sings the songs. I have production notes. I write on the songs, the artwork set out by me. Oh, nothing worse than a control freak. Nothing worse than a control freak. (laughs) <laughs> is that terrible? Really, Cher. Uh, speaking on the the first single, Cher said that choice wasn't made by me. I feel I've moved on from that type of music. Is it hilarious when they actually see themselves as musicians? I think it's absolutely hilarious. I love things like that. I absolutely love it. I think it's quite. I think it's so funny because they treat themselves so seriously. You just wish that they wouldn't take themselves as seriously. In fact, Peter Andre and his music hilarious, of course. Peter Andre and his blue overalls in lovely. Uh, Terence is in Finchley. Somebody's got to be. And uh, it's very interesting. Dean says, uh, James would fit him very well on the Jeremy Kyle show. What with his teeth and the naff tattoos? I did see something the other day, actually. And again, it was, it was enormous people with no teeth. And they were trying to get the boyfriend of one of the girls on there, who, to be honest with you, was quite lucky to have ever got a boyfriend, because she had no teeth at all. And the boyfriend had been taking heroin. He actually claimed that it was a sleeping tablet, but he was buying it on the internet. And, and Jeremy Carr said, no, we know what it, it's methadone. We know what it is. It's a heroin substitute. No, it isn't. And they sat there to look. Pardon me, the cows came home, trying to get him to admit that he was on heroin. And, of course, it turned, turned out that he was. And then his mother and his auntie had to come over and say, look, really sorry, mate, and babes and all this kind of... It's, it's really... It's, it's such low-level stuff. It's almost fascinating, as long as they don't live next door to you. Which is, always, which is always a bit frightening, isn't it, if they move in. Quarter past five. Nick Ferrari at seven this morning on LBC as Theresa May launches a widespread inquiry into child abuse. And David Blunkett says hacking victims suffer the same amount of emotional damage as Saville's victims. Nick will be asking, is he right? Plus, could a blood test help you spot Alzheimer's? And how involved should GPs get if they spot a child being abused? Nick and the team with you at seven this morning on LBC. Roger Alton... Associate Editor of The Times and former editor of The Observer will be live in the studio going through the papers. And it's, the, it's the, the story that started a while ago now, which is gathering pace. And this is Theresa May announcing that two inquiries into the Westminster child sex scandal, which is what they're calling it now. Although I don't know how many children were involved. I don't know where they came from. I don't know if they came from homes. I don't know whether they were prominent people, people who worked at uh, Westminster. Were they taken into the House of Parliament? Who knows? But it's not going to be led by a judge. The watered-down probe into claims of abuse and cover-up means suspected perverts would not be forced to cooperate. And also, I believe one um, lad is in America now. He's a very successful businessman. He doesn't want to testify. He doesn't. I think he's in his 40s now. And he said, no, he doesn't want to testify. So you can't... I don't know if you can force people into doing something like that. If they don't want to be outed as a victim, then they don't want to be outed as a victim. Uh, Bob says you're wrong about Polish builders. Their standard of work is appalling as a rule. No, you can't say that, you see, Bob, because you might just base that on six people that you know. Well, there are thousands of them in this country. So, you see, you're not allowed to do a sweeping generalisation of people and say that they're appalling as a rule because I know a number of people who've used Polish builders and they're brilliant. And we use all sorts of people. We have builders, we have um, bricklayers, we've got decorators, we've got electricians that we use. We've got all sorts of people that we use at uh, at home. And predominantly, they're British. Predominantly, they're British. But we don't go out of our way to deliberately use British. We're looking for somebody who can come in at the right price for us. So Lynn and I will sit down and say, right, well, you know, do we want to spend... In fact, I think we had a quote the other day for our lift, And the Lyft, uh, the the company who owned the lift. Uh, you just pay a, well we own the lift but they do the maintenance contract on it and we got a thing through saying we, we can do an upgrade on your lift which involves putting a different box outside changing the control panel inside the lift and it sounded quite exciting so Lynn and I had a cup of coffee yesterday and I said I, think I quite like the idea of that she said do you know how much it is? I said no, she said £18,000 I said we're not having it at the moment, the lift works perfectly well. You get in, you push a button. We've had the thing put in where if you get in between the doors, they automatically open again and stuff like that, but it's a contract worth about £2,000 a year. We have a fire contract for all the fire alarms. We have everything. And we have upgraded on various occasions, about 18000 on the lift we weren't going to be spending. But uh, we, we use all sorts of people, all sorts of people, You know, I mean, I never ask where anybody comes from, because I'm not remotely interested. I'm just interested, can they do the job? We've had a number of people there who've had their flats done, uh, and some have been Polish, some haven't. The majority have been Polish, and they seem perfectly happy with it. But I never ask anybody to start with. The name might be a bit of a giveaway, mightn't it? The name might be. Horrified onlookers, uh, the running of the bulls here in... um, it's, this is this is a different one, actually. This is in Denia, near Alicante. During the annual event, the animals are chased down the city's main streets and into the sea. It coincides with the more famous Pamplona bull running, and this time a bull got this bloke to the ground. Fantastic! Fantastic! I'm sorry to sound so cheerful about it, but I just see this as absolute out-and-out animal cruelty. Hordes of people shouting and screaming, chase bulls down the streets. Are they barking mad in Spain or what? What is what is the matter with them? And sometimes the bulls end up falling into the sea. In one particular place, I think they set fire to the bulls' horns, don't they? They wrap uh, stuff round there and put Petra in there and then set fire to it. Small wonder the animal goes crazy. Small wonder it takes its, uh, its wrath out on people. Good for the bulls. Good for the bulls. They're going to end up, aren't they, on somebody's table. And that's what's so sad about it. I just don't understand where they get their jollies out of this from. I, don't, I just don't understand it at all. I really don't. I, just, I really can't get my head around it. It's been going on for years. I have been to a bullfight many, many years ago. wouldn't even dream of going anywhere near one now. And I certainly wouldn't be interested in the running of the bulls in Pamplona. Not interested in that. I just see that as being cruel. I just see it as being very, very cruel. And it doesn't, doesn't serve any useful purpose. It's just, a, just to kill animals, isn't it, really? Uh, many M&S shirts uh, are made in sunny Cambodia, says Martin. Uh, I walked into uh, a do in downtown Phnom Penh, and a local guy had the same M&S shirt on as me. Turns out there's a big factory. Word is they look after the staff, too. There you go. I mean, I'm quite sure. I'm not naive enough to think that there aren't sweatshops somewhere around the world. Of course there are. There's bound to be sweatshops. You know, anywhere where you get people bringing out cheap, cheap items. There's a programme coming up on Channel 4. They're looking at the illegal trade in counterfeit goods and they raid a factory that makes vodka. They sell it at car boot sales, or sometimes they sell it in the little corner-off licences, cos they'll buy anything, and it looks normal. The police officers raided the other day and turned the bottles upside down, and it went a bit fizzy. And they went, it wouldn't go fizzy. And you remember, there was a a still a short while ago making illegal vodka, and it blew up killing the people who were working on it. And you can't help thinking if you're going to be that stupid. It's like making fake cigarettes. Everything's fake nowadays, isn't it? I wouldn't buy anything... In a car boot sale that was branded i wouldn 't anybody selling cigarettes or booze or stuff like that i wouldn 't touch with a barge pole i wouldn 't buy anything electrical from a car boot nothing at all you know just because something 's wrapped in plastic that doesn 't make it interesting really doesn 't i 'm more interested in the blood test which could predict if you will get alzheimer 's and it 's apparently eighty five percent accurate it 's it 's a breakthrough and it could confirm. Uh, whether or not a person with memory problems might develop the disease within a year it's hoped to test for the 10 proteins will speed up the search for new drugs delaying or even present, preventing Alzheimer's because we all do it don't we you look at somebody and you think or you start telling a story about something and you can't remember what the what the person's name is involved and so you kind of laugh it off you go do you know I can't remember that. There's, there's the onset of Alzheimer's. And you laugh about it, you joke about it, without realising the implications. It might actually be the onset, if you can't remember things like that. And it becomes terribly frustrating, terribly frustrating. But they now say that um, there are 10, 10 proteins, 26 proteins, but 10 of them, that could link you to Alzheimer's. And so they could literally... Would you want to know? Would you want to know? Well, I suppose you would, actually, if you thought there was going to be some sort of preventative cure, something that could hold it back. 800,000 people have Alzheimer's disease or other forms of dementia in the UK. With that number, they say, set to double within a generation. Uh, Professor Gordon Wilcock, Emeritus Professor of uh, Geratology, at Oxford University said, it's a great news here, a blood test is simpler and less troublesome to patients than having a brain scan, because that's how they did it up until now. It was a brain scan. Now, if they give you a simple blood test, amazing what they can learn through blood. I have blood taken uh, about three or four times a year. And uh, I always hate having it done, but I always think it can tell you loads and loads of things about that particular person, so I'm always, uh, always... Quite grateful. James says, can you remember demanding only blue M&M's at your one-man shows? No, no, you see, now you know that's wrong for me. I'm diabetic. I wouldn't be eating M&M's at all. I'm not saying I haven't eaten M&M's. I'm just saying I would never make such a demand. It's the red ones I liked. Um, When the singer Morrissey was on Blackpool Opera House, he refused to appear unless all the food outlets took meat off the menu, says. Yes, I remember that one. I remember that one as well. People... Doesn't Elton John have riders as well? They, he asks for certain things, and I suppose, you know, and certain groups say... I think they just do it, you know, just to make out... And, and the more the more riders there are, the more it makes you important. Well, in the case of Kanye West, the more we laugh... At him thinking, you really are mad as a broomstick, aren't you? Mad as a broomstick. Uh, The good news is that from the Tour de France, 200 million pounds. And to see the, uh, in Finchingfield, I've never seen so. I didn't think this many people lived in Finchingfield. It's It's the best turnout I've ever seen. This is the, the third UK stage, and fans were sheltering, people took seats out, they were taking bottles of wine, but it is Essex, you know, going got to get used to that kind of thing. And it was lovely, and then when they came through Parliament Square, there was another big crowd, but Finching Field and Epping and Northwield were the places, they were the places. And it was just brilliant, it was just absolutely brilliant. Uh, Formula One ace, Michael Schumacher's wife, uh, is very happy now her husband has woken up from his coma. I thought it was induced. But anyway, Uh, she looked in good spirits. She said it's uh, a horrendous year. Finally, she's able to smile again. I bet. I bet. Absolutely amazing. Who said that would be the miracle of all miracles if he uh, if he came round again? Might be a slow process. And uh, then there's there's a helicopter firm now at the centre of an inquiry. They were the people trying to sell his medical files. Oh, dear. Why do people do things like that? You're only going to get caught out. You're only going to get found. It's not a difficult thing to do. And how eating whey every day. Have you ever eaten whey? I don't, I've seen it. It was little, little Miss Muffet have curds and whey. But I don't know what whey is. I thought it was whey, like that. I never thought it was actually anything you could eat. And it can control diabetes. And um, and we'll find out what it is very shortly. i better tell you the, uh, the LBC time now. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to six. Eva's going... uh, She's from Slovakia. She's going for a job as an English teacher. Mm, Okay, (laughs) okay. And, uh, sorry, I'm just checking, actually. Uh, This is uh, another one, actually, from, uh, from Paul Cooper. He says, you don't get many Polish greengrocers. You don't, do you? You don't. They make coffee. And they do building work. And what else do they do? I don't know. Policemen? Things like that. But, uh, no, you don't get greengrocers. You're a dying trade, Paul. I was telling him the other day, he said, he said, what were you talking about, that thing that all us motorists make the big mistake of? I said, it's, I couldn't remember what it was to start with, and I suddenly remembered. It was texting. I said, if you pull into the side of the road and text while your engine is still running, that's a fine. That's illegal. And most motorists, having the faintest idea, you just automatically pull in. If you turn the engine off, that's fine. But if you leave the engine running... It's illegal. Eating whey every day can control diabetes. This is for type 2 diabetics. And they say, now I think I've seen this on sale in Holland and Barrett. I don't know what it is. It's obviously some sort of protein. And they say, if you eat uh, whey protein before breakfast every day, uh, it reduces blood sugars. All right. All right. I don't know. Is that something else I've got to have in the bathroom? I've lost track of the. the I've got green tea capsules. I've got some things. We're going to slip It's all herbal stuff. I don't like doing. I don't like doing major. You know, I do major medication, but I, if I'm doing extra things, then it's all. And I bought the green tea tablets because I can't find them here. I bought them in America, and uh, they seem quite. I like anything in a capsule. I'm a bit strange like that. I always think that's really exciting in a capsule. So if they do weigh in a capsule, I'll probably I'll probably go for it. But they might not do. So I shall find out about that later. And uh, it says here. The study's been carried out... See, it's never here. It's, uh, this one's carried out in Israel. And it involved 15 people, which isn't a very big survey, uh, with type 2 diabetics who were only taking diabetic drugs, uh, which is metformin or sulfonuluria. I don't know what that one is, actually. I only know metformin. I don't know the other one at all. And it found that those who ate whey, sold in most health stores before breakfast, saw an instant increase in insulin production. Oh, I don't know. Because it's done in Israel, I'm not sure whether it applies over here. But I, I do quite like the idea. What, what you, you Patients take 50 grams of whey in water, or a placebo of just water, followed by a standardised breakfast. Mm. Oh, what would be a standardised breakfast? Do you know all I had to eat yesterday? This sounds odd, doesn't it? Three sausages. I don't know why. I, just, I cooked sausages, and I just had three of them, and that kind of filled me up a little bit. So I don't know whether or not, I'd, I, I can't remember what else I ate. A friend of mine is on so many calories a day. It's sort it's of a diet, and he does whatever it is, 2,000 calories a day. So every time he has something to eat, he, he puts it into his phone, and it tells him how many calories he's got left. And I went out the other day with, this is on the Sunday, and I had one of those Pret-a-Manger cheese and pickle things and it's like really heavy calorie wise all the things that you think are not going to be heavy calorie wise turn out to be ludicrous you've thought you know a chicken tikka sandwich would have been would have been worse for you but it turned out the cheese one was even worse but i liked it it's like pita bread apparently pita bread is terribly terribly fattening and most people think how can it be fattening there's nothing in it you go it's really fattening check the package so if I could eat whey every day, and I'm, it sounds disgusting, doesn't it? But little Miss Muffet ate it, eating her curds and whey. So she obviously wasn't a diabetic, well, there's yeah, something new we've learnt about her. Uh, the weather for today, sunshine, slow-moving showers, sometimes heavy. Did I bring an umbrella? Did I buffalo? And uh, the high today, 21 degrees at the moment. It's 15 tonight, very heavy. Slow-moving showers at first, possibly thundery, easing throughout the evening. Dry conditions with clear spells, but also patchy cloud to follow. Uh, the major probe said "Express today into the child sex claims will leave, leave no stone unturned. It's important the police can go where the evidence leads. What I don't know, uh, because we weren't sure about that. Oh, we, we, lovely, thank you. The producers managed to find out that a double sausage and egg McMuffin is 560 calories, but a bowl of muesli, banana, strawberries and a satsuma is 580 calories. is that funny? Because you would have thought that the McDonald's would have been... I mean, I know it's only 20 in it. But, a, you see, most people think, oh, a bowl of muesli, you can eat as much of it, because I used to love Jordan cereal. It was just all sugar. It was, and it's But it's delicious. It was absolutely delicious. And I looked at the supermarket yesterday, thinking, "When was the last time you had a bowl of cereal, Stephen?" Because I talk like that to myself in there. I could wander around and go, "When was the last time you had a bowl, Stephen?" And I, then I go, "I don't know, Stephen." When? When? I, and I can't remember when I had a bowl of cereal last. After I think probably after the doctor said, you know, cereal's not good for you because it's full of sugars, and so I had to cut out sugar puffs. I, I haven't had sugar puffs for about fifteen years. Uh, Frosties, because it's just. Cornflakes with sugar on, and then you add more sugar and milk. Uh, What else have I cut out? Just everything. Everything. Uh, Cocoa pops. I haven't had any of them. I used to like Rice Krispies, because I was thinking, there's nothing of it, it's just a little air pocket, isn't it? No, there's calories in it. I can eat a bowl of cornflakes without sugar on, which I think is quite some achievement, but I I worry about what you can't eat now. I mean, perhaps I shouldn't... I mean, I'm very fussy about buying sausages, because I will only buy sausages which have got 58%... Sorry, 80... No, what is it? 93% meat I did the other day. Because if you look on most uh, sausage packets, they're really quite... Some of them as low as 14% of actual sausage meat. And and you sometimes go out... And I, you know when they sell sausage rolls? I want to get some of them analysed. I really do. I, I, I so want to get these... I want to go down to some of the train stations and buy some of these sausage rolls and then take them back. There's a good one for the Daily Mail to do. Uh, because they picked up on one of my stories that I did the other week on the programme, and I was horrified, and I said it'd be so nice if somebody actually, you know, got on top of this story, and the uh, the mail, I think it's the mail today, have done just that. So I'm very happy about it, and I'm just, I'm finding it now, I shall get to it. Give me, give me a few seconds and I will find this, this story. But I wondered, if they went down to some of the railway stations, and they bought some of these... Sausage items, you know, a sausage roll. Is there actually any sausage meat in it, or is it just filling? Because I reckon you could have some of these companies. Here is a story that I did the other week on the programme, and I got I got a bit angry about it, because i I'll tell you what it is. This is a couple who, you know, uh, were married for 58 years. OK, she's, she's quite ill. Uh, she's in hospital. He wants to take her home. He's been with her for 58 years. He's 82... And he, he says he wants to take his wife home. They live in Blackburn. They don't have a huge amount of money. He's on a modest income. But he says he's going to take this further. He's been looking after for ages. They've been together 58 years. It is a story that can haunt all of you. And when I ran this the other week on the programme, I said... And, and there were people within the NHS who were battling to keep his wife away from him. And I said... I got I got really a bit angry, I'm afraid, because I said they have been married 58 years. He wants to be with his wife. Butt out. Mind your own business. Get off his case. And it's dreadful. And the story by Jenny Johnson says, you know, why won't the NHS bosses let him care for his wife at home? He can have care at home. They can bring somebody round to help out as well. I mean, you know, it's effectively what they've done is they've effectively split somebody up. Somebody somewhere should be fired for this. Because it's something that can affect all of you. As you get older, and maybe one of you or the other one becomes ill, they will want to take somebody into care, and they won't let you visit. In fact, at one point, they called the police. They called the police to him. I mean, you, I mean, he must be thinking, at the age of 82, and she's 77... What on earth has gone wrong in life? How have we got to this stage where the NHS, some buffoon sitting behind a desk, a faceless person, can actually call the police to a man over his wife? He wants to take her home. And I didn't quite understand why they wouldn't allow him. Why don't these people mind their own business? It really is so horrendous. She's ill and he says he can look after her. Why don't they just give him the benefit of the doubt? Why do they have to stick their noses in? It really is horrible. So I'm glad that Jenny Johnson did that. There'll be quite a few other stories, I should imagine, that we'll probably find over the weeks or the years to come, over things that could be done, especially, I think, meat products sold on railway stations. You know, when they say, this is a meat pie, this is a a chicken pie, this is... Why don't they just go down and buy them, get them analysed by laboratories and tell us exactly what is in there? Because when I bought a sausage roll the other week, I'm totally convinced there was no such thing as meat which had ever seen the inside of it. Absolutely. You know, you buy sausages, you know, on the streets. You know they've got no meat in there, don't you? It's just a skin filled with uh, filled with just disgusting things. Dreadful. Phil says, if Polish people are good at building and making coffee, will they be building their own coffee shops? I don't know, but they, they seem to have it sussed out quite well. I can spot Polish builders on a, on a property. I can tell by the style of property that they're doing. And they seem to work... They seem to, whereas we want time off all the time, don't we? Not everybody, not a sweeping generalisation, but a lot of people do. They go, uh, you know, that's why you need, if you're having any work done, you need a project manager. You need somebody to to actually look after it and make sure that the work is being done. A friend of mine had builders in, and because he didn't project manage it, when he went round there on the one time to give them their money, they were all fast asleep on the floor of the sitting room. they hadn't done anything at all. They were stringing it out for as long as they could. Because that's what people do, isn't it? They like to string things out. Somebody's daft enough to pay them huge amounts of money. Let's have a quick time check for you, just in case you're worrying about things like that. But we come back and we go back through on the uh, on the Alzheimer's and the Westminster sex scandal. And uh, and the questions that are being asked, and Leon Britton, who's now being doorstepped, You must think all his uh, all his days have happened at one time. One minute, you know, in retirement, nobody bothered about him. The next minute, front page headlines all over the place. LBC News time now. It's quarter to six.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's 11 minutes to 6. It's Tuesday morning in London town. Oh, look, sunshine, but rain later. Did I bring an umbrella? No, I didn't. Lovely pictures of the paper today of people asleep. I'll show it to the producer. It's, uh, it's, but but it's, it's not people just asleep generally. It's people who've gone to Ikea and they've tried out the beds or the sofas and they've fallen asleep. They must be really, really tired. And so they've got loads of people here. One woman dozing with her baby was among dozens of flat-pack uh, Flatpak fans snapped in China's massive Beijing store. I mean, I suppose they, everybody works so hard, they sort of sit down the settee and then zonk. Because we've all done it. We've all fallen... There's always a time when you've fallen asleep, and then you wake up and you go, uh, my dad used to do it all the time. You go, dad, you're asleep. No, 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 I just close my eyes. No, dad, you were snoring, believe you me, you were definitely asleep. <laughs> but in Ikea, they let them try before they buy. It's a good idea, isn't it? A friend of mine did that once in the window <laughs> of one of those bed shops. And uh, because he was a celebrity, he had a picture taken and then, and he was with a friend of his. They were trying out the bed, one either side of it, to sort of see whether it had one of those mattresses, like one of these Dormeo mattresses or something. And, uh, and then the News of the World phoned him up and said, we've got a picture of you in bed with a man. And he said, I don't think so. I think it's a bit unlikely. And they said, no, no, we've definitely got a picture of you in bed with a man. And it turned out I'd been a passing photographer who'd seen them on this bed in the window, taken a picture and then had sold it to the news of the world. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Mind you, talking of, uh, of embarrassing, there's some poor bloke. It's another story I'm afraid about Domino's pizzas. We had a bit of a trouble the other week. Do you remember Domino's in one of their branches where they'd run out of potato wedges because some incompetent fool couldn't work out that with the football on, more people would be ordering potato wedges? And they charge, I think, if memory serves, something about £3.25. And they were caught buying them in their local Asda for 49p and passing them off as their own because they'd run out. Well, now we have a story of a teenager who uh, ordered a pizza pizza, £17.99. Uh, That's a margarita. Now, to be be honest with you, £17.99, I'm telling you now for a fact, a pizza will cost, on average, a quid to make. A quid. That's about top whack. For, on a pizza. So when they sell them for 17 99 and chuck in a free Vianetta and a free bottle of pop and everything else, it, they're still making a huge profit. Anyway, this poor bloke, little did he realise how much profit they were making. £17.99. Unfortunately, on his bank card, £179,000 went on there. Consequently, the card was declined by a store. His balance showed he was £179,020 overdrawn. He should have been four hundred pounds in credit. He bought the pizza at Newport in Gwent. He said I was terrified I might have to pay it back. Dominoes and Lloyd's apologised and refunded him the money. Well, why would Dominoes refund him the money? I imagine they should give him free pizzas for the rest of his life. Ridiculous! Some incompetent in Dominoes who can't type in seventeen pound ninety nine pence. Not difficult. One seven dot nine nine. Not one hundred and seventy nine thousand i 'm surprised it actually got through because then it showed him overdrawn, so in other words, the bank authorized one hundred and seventy nine thousand pounds to go through because if I tried that i 'd be rejected immediately i 'd never actually get anything like that, and probably the same for most of you you wouldn't uh, you wouldn 't get well, perhaps some of you might this morning there might be some very rich people listening. Mr Eccleston, morning. And I've never heard Bernie Eccleston speak. I've got to find out what he talks like, because every time I look at him, he looks like he's about to do a bank job for some reason. You look at him, he's just got one of those faces. There's something about him, I don't know what it is. Can't quite put my finger on it. But he looks like he's... a what do you mean, Steve? I imagine he talks like that, but I could be totally wrong. Just made me laugh thinking about it the other day. Um, it, uh, talking about how lax the law is in this country, there's, there's a bloke who's, uh, who's up in court, and it's on a, an insurance an insurance scam, but he's, uh, he's allowed to go to Ibiza to do a gig as a DJ because the judge uh, says, I used to work behind the turntables and so I know what it's like. And so the judge has let him fly off to Ibiza to do his gig. It's, it's, it's actually quite funny if it wasn't so serious. And, uh, and he's allowed him to fly off because the judge apparently used to do a little bit of this some time ago, which is brilliant. Uh, Holly Willoughby... Uh, are speaking on This Morning yesterday. was it one of the days she's doing, or is it we have to suffer with Eamon and, uh... And Ru- I don't mind Ruth so much, if, if, uh, but she's a bit put upon. She doesn't really get a chance to say very much. She obviously thinks he's funnier than everybody in the entire world, which of course he isn't. And, uh, and so we always go... It's, it was a bit Richard and Judy syndrome. Rich, Judy would sit there, staring into space. We'd all be going, let her speak, Richard, let us speak. <laughs> I used to throw things at the television. Slippers and the... like... Um... And uh, speaking on yesterday's This Morning, Holly Willoughby said it was the most beautiful day, um, because she couldn't look at Fern Cotton on her wedding day, because every time she did, she started crying. There's obviously quite a nice bit about Holly Willoughby that means she cries, but I mean, she, she is pregnant, isn't she? So she, obviously uh, her hormones are racing around. She says, I couldn't look at Fern. I was with Lee Francis, Keith Lemon. Obviously still doing the same tired old act. Uh, And he said the same thing. You couldn't look at her without crying because she was so full of happiness and love. I didn't want to make her cry and ruin the makeup, but we both had a bit of a blub. You imagine that Holly Willoughby is is definitely one of those blubbers in life. She could probably cry. I cry every time I see Celebrity Juice. (laughs) Every time I watch that dreadful programme. High protein. Uh, Whey protein doesn't come in a capsule. Oh, we did find out, actually, what it is. Somebody sent me... um, Gosh, who sent me a thing now? Wait a minute. Somebody sent me a thing on what whey is. It's apparently where milk curdles and you get the, the, the curd bit and then you get the other bit, which is the whey. Sounds disgusting. I mean, to be honest, so little Miss Muffet, sitting on her tuffet, was eating her curds and whey. So she was eating some milk that had gone off. That sounds horrible, doesn't it? I think perhaps Miss Muffet had some questions to answer. Perhaps she was trying to poison the spider. Equal rights for the spider, I say. I wonder why she was eating that curds. Nobody's ever analysed that one, have they? Eating her curds and whey was, this, was it considered good for you? So where the milk separates, you eat the. the t- Ugh. In fact, I've now gone quite off it. I'm afraid, quite off it. It doesn't doesn't sound uh, doesn't sound like my sort of thing at all. But i But it doesn't come in capsule form. Uh, high protein, like sausages, chicken, fish, makes you feel full up. Uh, refined carbs, bread, cornflakes, pasta, pastry will send your blood sugars up, even if sugar hasn't been added. Yes, I mean, I don't... I haven't had bread for a, a little while, actually. I was, remember I said yesterday, I quite fancy toast, but of course it's really bad for you, because it's bread, it's got butter on, and then people add peanut butter or marmite or something. But, so I haven't had bread for ages. I nearly went out and bought some yesterday, but I held back a little bit. I, um... I did have pasta the other day, and I don't do pasta. God, it's boring. I've forgotten how boring pasta is. So you boil up the stuff with salt, but I didn't have any, any salt to put in it, so I just had to do it without the salt. And then I <clears throat> poured a sauce over the top of it, and that was probably the worst bit. But it had ricotta and spinach in it, and it was kind of like fresh pasta. It sounds delicious, doesn't it? But I promise you, it was the most bland, boring food I've ever done in my entire life. Now, mind you, when it gets round to pastry, you can't beat a good pie... But, of course, you know I didn't manage to get my Paul's pie, so I wasn't a happy bunny at all. So we know that Sarah's been uh, diet- advising people for 13 years on their, uh, on their diets and stuff like that. She said it will cut the wheat from the chaff. I'd rather we actually cut up whey, which is part, she says, of milk protein made up of whey and casein. Protein powders used in sports and fitness are usually made from whey pro- protein. When I went to Holland and Barrett the other day... They've got all sorts of things which sports people take, like these energy drinks, which I'm assuming are just predominantly sugar, and people take them. And I noticed that during the Tour de France, there were people taking tablets as they were going round. Perhaps it was sweeties or something. Perhaps it was something to boost them up. Perhaps it was just full of concentrated sugar, and they had their water drinks and and stuff like that. She says uh, some studies show it can help with controlling blood sugar levels in type 2 diabetes, she says, if you have a weight issue, don't start drinking a lot of protein shakes. You'll just pile on the pounds. I know, that's the worst thing. I te- people who are overweight, no matter what they tell you, they're always fibbing, you should, you want to lose weight. That's what you want to do. You want to lose weight. Uh, eight, for eight five oh. Sam says, I know of a Polish barber who takes money from pensioners by promising them a haircut but instead takes them on a treasure hunt. She's not a barber, she's a lady, and her name's Kasia, and she's very nice. And, uh I don't give her any money at all. No, no, no. I sometimes take... I took in cherries the other day. She seemed very happy with cherries. And uh, I might have another haircut later on because I'm, I'm seeing the godchildren this weekend. And so you look, like to look smart for them. You don't want to get there because my oldest had her birthday the other day. 19... 90. It only seems like yesterday. Right? They, they whiz through life nowadays, don't they? One minute they're sort of babies crawling backwards and forwards and, and all that. Go- and the next minute they're dating and they're driving and they've got jobs and, and they've kind of ballooned out in all directions. You know, they've got sort of a bust out here somewhere and you, you think to yourself, where did the little person go? Where did the little tiny one go who got through clothes? So uh, I sort of I sent her a card for a birthday. You never, I never know what to give her for a birthday. You can't buy clothes for somebody because that's just ridiculous. So I put money in an envelope. And I always think money is is the most acceptable thing for anybody. But how much money? How much money do you give somebody for their 19th birthday? I mean, would you consider £20 acceptable? No. Oh, you would. Oh, no. I gave her more than £20. I gave her £50. Because, because she's running a little car and she's got to put petrol in. She's got to get backwards and forwards to work. And she's quite good. She doesn't sort of fritter her money away. So she can spend a bit on petrol. And then She's got one of these cars that runs for a week on about 10 quids worth of petrol. Whereas mine, 10 quid started up, oh, it's run out. You know, it's, it's as bad as that. Things, things are definitely that bad, I'm afraid, in the, in the car. And they're just putting the price of petrol up again. I'm sure my local garage in Twickenham had just put the price up. I'm pretty certain. Pretty certain, because as, as I was filling up the car, they, they were changing the numbers on the thing, and I thought, oh, it's not going up again. What did I pay the other day? 136.9. For that read, 137, because you can't put in .9, can you? Just not, uh, not possible. <laughs> well, even though much as though I try, much as I try. But they always, if ever I take the car in for a service and I turn it with something else, they go, oh, where, where's your car gone? OK, don't worry, in for a service. It'll be back. So everybody working in garages this morning, good morning to you. Nice to have you company this morning It's LBC 97.3 It's Steve Allen with you All the way through until 6.30 The government in these two inquiries Which they've uh, launched into the Westminster sex abuse claims Whether they go anywhere remains to be seen The Tour de France, what a big success Well done, Essex And everybody in central London yesterday There were no big disasters Everybody applauded, everybody clapped, everybody cheered It was a great thing for the country, loved it Uh, Vanessa Feltz has been attacked by trolls over her Claims uh, about what Rolf Harris might or might not have done to her on a bed. James Arthur, hoping to appear on MasterChef, another celebrity, pictured in a park with a photographer uh, showing how fat she's got. So it's a, a DVD on the way. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. It's all next.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850 Steve Allen on LBC. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Morning. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, nice to have you company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. I don't care where you are today. I don't care if you're just about to climb into bed, which some people are, or failing that, you're, sort of, you're just sort of waking up for the day ahead and you're thinking, oh, is it really only Tuesday? Yep, it's really only Tuesday. And the rain comes back in. Having told you the other day there was going to be a heatwave, now they're saying we're going to be deluged with rain by the weekend, which is fantastic, isn't it? What do I do yesterday? Get the car washed. Walk out of the car wash, what happens? The heavens open. I couldn't be happier. And it's always dirty rain. It's not so good. We'll go through the front pages of the papers for you this morning. We'll tell you exactly what's going on and we'll give you the rundown of what Nick Ferrari's got on his show from six o'clock this morning. Oh, and we... Uh, sorry, from seven. I do beg his pardon. I know frightened him. It? It's LBC 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Everybody telling me about whey now, and we still can't fathom out why Little Miss Muffet was eating curds and whey. And if you're worried about the story, it's because whey has been proven in a, a scientific study in Israel. Perhaps it should be done over here. I was like, because they, they say things in, in other countries, and then of course it's not approved over here. We have to wait till we've done our own studies. They're saying it's good for people with type 2 diabetes. Not very good protein drinks, I'm afraid, if you're type 2 diabetic and you're overweight. It's not going to be, it's just going to make you fatter, I'm afraid, because there are certain things you can eat and certain things you can't eat. And as a diabetic, you have to kind of work out which are the good bits and which are the bad bits. And sometimes you like the bad bits. And sometimes I was reading a whole article the other day just to really make you hungry this morning, and I don't do it intentionally. It was in Country Life this week on fish and chips, and they've got their awards for which is the best fish and chips in the country. Strangely, they did not mention Twickenham. I don't know why they didn't mention PKs. Very odd. They only cook fresh fish to order. And that's how they say it should be done. Just outside our front door, there used to be a big fish and chip shop years ago, then it closed, and now there's another one opened up because obviously we have an insatiable appetite for fish and chips. But you know what they shouldn't do with fish and chips? The big no-no, and I didn't know this, is is to have the portion of chips and to put the fish on top of the chips. That apparently, in fish and chip upper echelon circles is the biggest no-no because it makes the fish go all soggy. The other thing you're not supposed to do is dip the fish in flour before you put it in the batter. I didn't quite understand that one either. But, I mean, we've all had good fish, we've had bad fish. I couldn't taste the difference. You know, if somebody was serving me, was it river cobbler that they're buying from Vietnam and passing it off? They never put down river cobbler because it sounds disgusting. Uh, but if they put down cod, that is the most popular, the most popular. And I was making my mouth water already, talking about all this fish and chips this morning. Because we had fish and chip week a couple of years ago. And I remember at this time of the morning, they sent in fish and chips. Well, there's something about the smell of, uh, excuse me, about uh, fish and chips first thing in the morning with salt and vinegar on, which was quite enticing and permeated the entire building. So they were talking about fish and chips, and I'm, I'm not an expert on it by any way, shape or form. But that's the kind of thing we like. But, of course, the thing that's bad about it is the batter. But that's the thing we love, isn't it? We love a good chip shop batter, something very nice about it. Pete in Chigwell says, I can't fathom out why people are so nasty to Vanessa Feltz. I don't know either. This was, this was a story that started at the weekend when she claimed that she was uh, abused. I think probably it would have been an assault more than anything as opposed to an abuse uh, on the bed, on the big breakfast, and the police have seen the tapes, and then the judge has said that it's not going to go to court for some reason. I can't quite fathom out why the judge said. I think he said there wasn't enough time to prepare anything, but it could come up at a later date. And so whether or not somebody has seen these tapes and gone, yes, something did happen. The way she described it, and with a load of people around the bed, it made you wonder why she just didn't lash out at him or just push him away. You know, that's what you have to do with these people. You have to sort of, you have to teach them. She'd been warned by apparently one of the makeup girls, oh, Rolfson today, watch out. And yet she didn't do anything about it for 18 years. She said, I didn't think anybody would, you know, because it was Rolf Harris. Why? Why? Why would you think that? That would be the certain, you know, the thing you have to do. And her her boyfriend at the moment said she's very brave coming out. There's nothing brave about it. She should have done it years ago. She's a journalist. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to come out. She could have done this a long time ago and said, I know of a celebrity who had a reputation and let people work it out for themselves. But she didn't say anything at the beginning of the trial. Didn't, didn't say anything until the very end of it. But there's all these different people who'd be standing around the bed. And she said nobody would believe her because it was Rolf Harris. Well, of course they would. It's on film. It's on film. Uh, see, the lad with the pizza, the answer is in one word. Gwent. Thank you. This is the poor lad who spent £17.99 and got charged £179,000. I do think that's funny, actually, because, I mean, surely at 179,000, alarm bells would be ringing, wouldn't they? It's obviously something competent in the pizza place. Who doesn't know how to uh, to put in the dot? <laughs> um, Holland and Barrett sell whey protein powder. But Fiona says, you could ask Mr Shaw if that would be good for your diabetes. Thank you, Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Shark, should I have whey powder? You see, it doesn't even sound very nice. And also, I don't want to balloon, thank you very much indeed. I'm going to be doing an interview for In Conversation today with somebody whose weight has maintained itself over the years. That's John Barrowman. And he just never seems to put on weight. He's sickeningly good looking. You think he's good looking on television, he's even worse in real life. He's sickeningly good looking in real life. Television doesn't quite do him justice till you see him. Whereas some people look different, don't they? You know, some people can be unattractive in real life, like me. Put me on television, still the same, still unattractive. It's just one of those things. I just cannot bear stuff like that. But some people look really good. Some people have got that that sort of charisma on the television. So we're talking about dogs with him, because he's got dogs, but he's talking about hearing dogs for the deaf. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So, Fiona, I will check with Mr Shah later on. Paul in Sheffield says, uh, bite-sized shredded wheat very low sugar. I'm diabetic and have them most mornings with candorail. See, see, I think, as opposed to fake sugar, just not bother. I can have cereal without anything on it. And you think shredded wheat is OK? Is it the bite-sized... Sh- I don't know. I'll have to check that one out. Because it might not just be the, the sugar bit, it might be the, the salt. But it, all, the, all the nice cereals that I really like, I can't have. And after... It's funny, isn't it? After I was diagnosed diabetic... I did, change. I, went, I did throw all the sugar out at home, and I'd only just bought a packet of sugar, which all... It was sugar cubes, because I had a thing about sugar cubes, but they were all in different shapes for the pack of cards. So I had clubs, diamonds, hearts and spades all in sugar cubes. And I threw them out. I don't know what's the matter with me. I lost all sense of the occasion. And so I threw everything out... And then ever since then, I've not bothered with sugar. In fact, I remember once somebody did give me a drink which had lemonade in it and then he blew my socks off. Cause not having had lemonade for years, all of a sudden to have lemonade, it was yuck yuck. And I don't drink, don't even drink diet drinks. I'm not really into things like that at all. I have had little, little things which I think are probably not brilliant for me, but you've got to have some pleasure in life, haven't you? It's very little pleasure as it is at the moment. Um, at, uh, Good Morning Britain. You need a man who strides the screen like a colossus, and you've got Ben Shepherd," says Zack. "Yes, it doesn't doesn't quite work, does it? They can't get the programme right. Although nice to see Vanessa Feltz in her little column today. is sort of trying to big the programme up, obviously angling for a guest spot, I suppose, as if she wasn't on things often enough. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, they do sell green tea capsules at Holland and Barrett," says Hannah. "Which I bought mine in America. I bought them in America, and I um I don't take them every day." but I take them occasionally, only because my heart specialist... My heart specialist. And that sounds quite exciting. I never thought I'd be saying that, actually. It's like wearing glasses. And, um, and, and he said you should drink green tea. So I tried it for a few days after I got back from hospital, and I thought it was so awful. I thought better to probably take the green tea capsules. Uh, Margaret and St Ives says, Curds and Way, when I was a kid, mum used to give me junket. Oh, yes, I used to love junket. That was where you'd do uh, milk with rennet, and is it rennet yes rennet and and she had a little bottle of it and you poured it into the milk and it was different flavors and she had little bits of coconut in it we used to put little bits of it was delicious rennet i remember that you ask people about that it's like rice cremola nobody remembers rice cremola which is like it's it's something you add to rice and it turns it into cremola oh it was delicious delicious never had rice cremola must be a generational did you have jelly when you were little yes we all had jelly we had fruit jelly, because we were posh. We had mandarin pieces, in ours...
0: <sighs> we were so middle-class.
1: 14 minutes past six.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Good morning, everybody. 6.19 and a bit. There we are. That's the best you're going to get this morning. 6.19 and a bit. The sunshine is out, but they've said that there's rain coming up a little bit later on this morning. So we'll run through the uh, the front pages of the papers, just so you're aware of, of uh, what's going on in the world. I think you uh, are well aware of the fact... That this child abuse inquiry, David Cameron has now pledged that no stone will be left unturned. The church, the NHS and the BBC will be covered. It's obviously, this is obviously, this is our sort of Falklands, isn't it? This is what's happening at this precise moment. This this abuse in the House of Commons, this paedophile ring that they're talking about. I mean, did it actually exist? And, and is this what the inquiry will look for? Or is it just one or two instances of somebody coming forward saying, you know, I met this MP and and this and that happened? Because if they're going to go through the church, well, we know the cases in the Catholic Church and in the church anyway because they make the newspapers. I don't, I'm not too well aware of the cases within the, the NHS, the BBC we're well aware of because of the amount of artists. But there again, the BBC was having more artists even before ITV, so that's why. And it'll be interesting to see what they uncover at the end of the day. Will they say that there is nothing to answer or will they start naming names? All of that will become apparent a little bit a little bit later. But I should suspect it's actually going to, to run for most of the year. Network Rail's been fined more than £53 million for falling significantly short on punctuality on long-distance routes... Huge amount of money, isn't it, to be fined? £53 million. Uh, Apparently, the operator vowed to deliver average punctuality levels of 92%, but achieved 86.9%. I mean, but that's all sorts of... You know, there can be all sorts of reasons for that, can't there? There can be all sorts of reasons where... I mean, I've sometimes stood at a a station, you know, Waterloo, I I use on a regular basis, and that's why I stand there. And they go, this train leaves at 29 minutes past. I sit there and I watch the clock. And 29 goes and then 30 goes. So you think, so it's obviously running late. For what reason? It's it's only a few minutes late, but if if it's a train that stops at everywhere down the line, the knock-on effect can be at least an an extra sort of 10 minutes by the time it gets to the other end. And sometimes I get to Twickenham and you hear them saying, the so-and-so train coming in at Platform 5 is currently running seven minutes late. You think that's because either the driver wasn't there on time, and that seems to be a lot of the, the, the problem, that the driver wasn't there for that particular train, or failing that, they've got to wait for a guard because they can't leave the station without having the guard on board as well. And presumably they sit there waiting for their shifts to be announced. Either way, though, it's hell of a fine, isn't it? Absolutely hell of a fine. Uh, time to ditch the mini. Uh, this is the the mini skirt. When you get to the age of 27, uh, you have to ditch the mini. Uh, if you're 31, then no, no more tattoos. I'm sorry. You're way too old for things like that. And uh, 27 for, for for women in the mini. If you're above 27 and wearing a mini, it's wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. Uh, if you're 24, no more no more kissing in the street. OK? We don't do any more kissing in the street. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> lovely one. Wearing a baseball cap, 32. Oh, dear. I might be a bit guilty on that one. I have got baseball caps at home. I know. I know. I'm sorry. But I look good in them. I really do. Because actually with a baseball cap on, you can pretend you've got hair. It's fantastic. You, can, you, you put it on and people think you've actually got hair. Uh, if you're 41, you've got to stop going to music festivals. You're way too old at 41. You just stand out and it's embarrassing for all concerned. Um, if you go to a stag or a hen do, not after 37, a quiet meal in. You know, you just sit down with some friends and maybe have some tapas. Or maybe some, some wedges or Domino's pizza or something like that. But you don't go out to a stag do if you're above the age of 37. Incidentally, 37, you don't go to a nightclub. Danielle Westbrook, if you're listening, you're too old to go out to a nightclub. You look a bit silly, OK? You look like everybody's favourite grandmother. Or not, as the case may be. Uh, if you're over 26, sorry, no skateboards I do see people walking down the street, and they do look as though they are about 30 years old. They could be Americans, I don't know. And they're clutching skateboards, and you look at them, and they've got little goatee beards. And, and go- goatee beards are out as well. Uh, you know, you don't have goatee beards. I think above the age of about uh, 22. So goatee beards are out. And skateboards, definitely. You mustn't have things like that. Uh, if you're above 48... No more bikinis, okay? No more bikinis, please, for those people. And uh, and the other one is uh, voting on the X Factor. If you're above twenty, if you're above twenty six, you are above if you are above 26 you must not vote on the X Factor. It's not for you. It's for it's for younger people. Very funny, isn't it? Um, uh, James Arthur, as I said earlier, is hoping to appear on MasterChef. Now he is without a record deal. I really like that show. He insists. Yeah, I think we're looking for sort of people with with a bit more than you've got to uh, to offer and uh, and Kimberly Walsh is contemplating a return to music she says i have an idea for an album yeah i have one as well i have one as well for you a silent album it's no good if you've had a music career trying to go back into again, back into it again it just doesn't it doesn't work in a cap i can pretend i'm not ginger says the producer but ginger's good because you're not going to lose your hair you see like ginger people don't lose their hair it's like dark hair it's it's fairly strong hair and you're sort of more red aren't you i bet you like you like ginger's better though isn't it I've got a friend of mine, he's got the same colour hair, and he, he thinks he's blonde. And I said, no, you're definitely not blonde. I said, you're absolutely red. He went, I'm not red. He said, at, at the most, he said, I'm sort of like an off ginger. I said, no, 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 no. I promise me, you're definitely ginger. And uh, I know lots of people who are ginger. It's a great colour. But it does mean that you don't tan, you just go Red outside in the sun, and that, that's not... I mean, I, I sort of... I don't go in... I just go blotchy. But there again, my life has been blotchy. I spend my life being blotchy. So I don't sit in the sun. I can't sit in the sun anymore. I get bored. I think above a certain age, you shouldn't be tanned. I nearly bought some fake tan the other day, because I thought maybe I looked a bit pale. And I thought, if I buy some fake tan, I might kind of fit in more in this building, where they're all young and everybody's got tans, and they're all, yeah, woo! Like that kind of thing. Whereas I don't have the woo! Anymore. I'm kind of like, Ugh. And uh, I might try the way, though. Although the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking I probably wouldn't. Uh, David uh, says, on the, uh, the subject of, uh, of uh, food, all this talk of fish and chips has made me a bit hungry. I'm ten weeks into a strict diet by the hospital and ten weeks without fish and chips. Total weight loss, three stone, seven pound. Beyond happy. Doctor's very happy. It's maintaining it, David. It's maintaining it. He says, morning to Noreen. Yes, I mean, it's, it's maintaining weight loss. That's, that's the big problem, isn't it? Um, uh, Norman, thank you. He says, check out several interviews on YouTube for Bernie Eccleston's voice. I can't imagine what he sounds like. I don't know whether it's just the way I, I, I perceive him when I see him on anything. That's what makes me laugh, actually. Makes me laugh. Uh, another one here very quickly from uh, from John. He says, do you recommend Prosecco as a diabetes-friendly beverage? I don't know, actually. It's all natural, so it can't be doing too much harm, surely. I don't know. The The producer came up with something this morning on on if you do more than six drinks a day apparently you might have a slight... And also, have you done anything in the past year that you're ashamed of, or that you wish... What are you smiling for? I haven't done anything in the past year that I'm, I'm embarrassed about. Mainly because I've had more than six drinks and I can't remember it. No, that's not true. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, when they sort of say, can you remember everything that happened? The answer is yes, most of it. Of course I can. Heavens above. Jackie's up in Paddock Wood, which is good news, and the rest of you. Uh, we'll finish off looking at uh, some more of the, uh, the papers in a moment. And uh, yesterday evening at uh, Clapham Junction, Steve, I was pounced on by chuggers. Yes, uh, chuggers, I, we, we don't like, I'm afraid. We absolutely don't like chuggers at all. These are the people who leave in front. Hello, you have got two minutes? No, I haven't. Simple answer to stopping chuggers. Take out an imaginary phone, hold it up to your ear. They won't come anywhere near you. I promise you. Uh, 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. Every time the late uh, carry-on comedian Jack Douglas cried out, way, as his flat cap threw off. And um, my parents went into a cafe and had soup and a crusty roll. Mum paid with a debit card. It was declined. The bill was 259000 <laughs> Sounds delightful. Thank you, Lynn, very much indeed. Julie says, uh, good morning. Fish and chips up north. Always take the skin off the fish, but here in the south they leave the skin on, which is revolting. I don't, um, I don't do that. But I don't know, actually. I just sort of, I just sort of eat it normally. 84850steve <laughs> at lbc.co.uk and everything woven into the uh, the programme. And thank you for making this the most the most listened to. It's always quite exciting, actually, but there again, there's uh, there's worse things out there than heaven and earth, as they say. Uh, also on the front pages, and um, we had six drinks over lunch, says Jonathan Levi, who's now managed to find a haircut for £25. Up until now, he was paying a small fortune for his hair, but apparently it looks great. And he said, or was it six bottles we had over lunch? I think he found it was just six drinks, wasn't it, Jonathan? I think just six drinks. If only we could remember. Uh, Daily Express, the Westminster sex scandal. Oh, I've just realised I've gone over my time now, haven't I? I'm back tomorrow. Nick Ferrari and the team at seven. Next morning news, Lisa Rizzi's.